only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Wednesday, March 11th, 2015. This is Gus, and uh, this is the Word Nerds Common Law uh, Conference Call. I don't know what, what's it called. It's on TalkShoe anyway. It's on uh, it's uh, TalkShoe number 134084. This is episode 61. I have no plans for tonight. I, I've been straight out all week, and uh, I've got an email that I just read from a friend of mine who said he's going to try to join us. So I wanted to get that out of the way before we started. And so the floor is open. Anybody want to say hi, talk about any particular topic to get us started, just uh, type something on the board or speak up or whatever you want to do. Hey, this is going to be a short call. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is uh, Joe from West Virginia. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, uh, it says Eric on the board. What's that? It says Eric on the board. Is that you, Eric77? Yeah, that's me. I'll mute out. Oh, no, you're all set. I don't see Joe. Yeah, oh. I'm on there. Uh, I'm under uh, West Virginia. West Virginia. Oh, you're not, uh, it's not showing that you're speaking. That's yeah, weird. That. I'm going to log off the board and log back in and see what happens. Oh, there it is. It's on top. So what's going on, Joe? Uh, not much. I, I I went to uh, court last Thursday, and I wanted to kind of uh, just kind of tell you what happened. Um, I tried. I wanted to talk to Carl first, but uh, he's on the road this week, and... Uh, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. But uh anyways, uh yeah, I went it was weird. I went last last Thursday, you know, we had that snow and I was gonna go whether we had two inches or two feet. Um and me and my wife went up there and a couple of my buddies, my neighbors showed up for uh, you know, I guess support, I suppose. And uh anyways I I went in there and uh man boys Bayless comes out, asks calls my name, said, Yeah, I'm here. And then uh, then uh, Greg, the uh man prosecuting attorney, came out and actually called my wife in first. Which uh called, I didn't expect. called your wife first? Yeah. Um okay. she was she was not given any notice to show up or anything, she just came with me, you know. Anyways, uh, she went in. She went in there and talked to him, and basically all that was was to dismiss the uh, uh, domestic charge, you know, um, against me. So with her, she did no problem. And then he then he called me in, and it and it was real weird because I wasn't expecting that. Um, the 
you know, to speak to him first. And uh, I was all ready. I had, uh, you know, some responses written up, ready uh, for court. But I never had to use them. I went in there and trust um, the attorney, uh, Greg. I'm just calling Greg from here on out. He uh, started saying about uh, he was going to drop the two of the charges, but wanted to keep one of them. Asked me if I had a lawyer, or you know, or wanted to get a lawyer, or even wanted. He said this is not a court. We're not in court. Um, I guess. Well, what was not a court? Um, he said we're not going to actually. I, I could. I forget what he said. Uh, like a stay, of course. He said I could do that, but he didn't use the word stay. Um, and he said he. Uh, well, you were there for a hearing. Yeah, I got a notice of hearing, um, and I thought I was going to end up being in court in front of the magistrate, uh, but that that didn't happen. He just called me in and um, he started talking. He started talking about the charges and that he wanted to. Uh, uh, he's going to draw, dismiss two of the charges except for one. Um, I think there's one obstructing charge, and that the uh, $50 fine and uh, court costs. And I, I, I said things like, "Well, I said, well, well, I don't believe I did anything wrong. Who, who did I? Who did I harm? You know, did I? Who did I cause any harm, injury, and loss to?" Um, you know, and I used some things like that. He he kind of cringed. He didn't say nothing. He just gave me this kind of look. He goes, "Well, you know," and and which I thought was kind of funny because um, I don't think he could answer the question. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I I forgot a lot about what we talked about, but he said, uh, you know, he wanted to. to that one charge, I said, well, I, I said, well, that, that won't work. I said, I want, he, he asked, kind of asked me what I wanted, and I said, well, I, I want them all dismissed, you know, because I don't believe I harmed anybody. And uh, he said, well, he's there. He, hold on a second. Okay. Um, sorry about that. Um, he, um, so he said, "Well, let me let me well, go back out there and sit down and and uh, he's going to go. I don't know if he went to talk to the magistrate or what he did, but but he came back and he had this letter written, and he said, "Well, we'll dismiss everything in three months, um, as long as you don't get in any trouble." And, and uh, here's the document; you just have to sign that. Um, and it was just weird. I, I didn't expect it. I was expecting to go to, you know, actually in court. Um, but I, I I don't think I I was happy with the outcome because everything's going to be dismissed, you know, because I was facing, you know, some serious well, what, what, what was the outcome? Did you did he offer you a plea agreement? Is that Did you sign something that agreed? Did you agree that you were guilty uh, but nothing was going to come of it as long as you stayed clean for three months? Yeah, but it wasn't... It, it was never a plea agreement. He never even mentioned a plea. Um, well, what does the paper say? What does the paper say? Okay, it says uh, it says the state of West Virginia and Joseph H. Nicholas agreed to enter in this 
pre-trial diversion agreement. That's, so that's what it's called. And he lists the code. Pre-trial uh, what agreement? A pre-trial di- diversion agreement. Okay. And there's there's four things on it. He's got a number. He hand-wrote it. it. says, this agreement will last for three months and shall expire on June 5th, 2015. Mr. Nicholas shall not violate the laws of this state, any other state, and laws of the United States. Um, on, upon completion of the diversion period, the state will dismiss all of the charges. And then four was the applicable statute for limitations shall not or shall be told during the period of this agreement. And he explained that to me. Um, and and that was it. So I, I don't, you know, I I don't. I'm happy with the outcome, but I know I didn't stand as a man kind of thing because I signed this agreement. But it was just. Yeah, what happened is, is you, uh, you, you know, you put paperwork in and you pushed him back and pushed him back and pushed him back all the way to the exit door, and he didn't want to exit. He was looking for one last opportunity to hang on, and he offered you this contract and said, you know, we'll dismiss everything in three months if, uh, you know, if you stay out of trouble. So basically you're on probation for three months. Yeah, he said it was kind of like probation, but it's not. Actually, probation. So it's, it's um, probation. You, you either you either behave, or they're going to bring the charges back in. So it's on file for three months. Yeah, it's it's almost uh, it's as close as you can come to a suspended sentence. Yeah, exactly. What so happened? if anything happens, you know, if anything happens in the next, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, every man has to make his own choices. But you know, you know, you went from having multiple charges, uh, some of them that could have been escalated into felonies, into you know getting to the point where he was backing down, backing down, backing down. This was his last shot at getting something uh, to you know to validate his uh, you know his pursuit of, of this paperwork. And so I'm sure you made his day by agreeing. But uh, hey, what the heck, you know. Uh, stay out of trouble for three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Well, no, I just—it seemed like, uh, it, you know, he—he—it was weird because he seemed—he he seemed defensive. He seemed like uh, he didn't want to push it too hard. Well, he doesn't have anything to push. Right, right, and uh, well. That's why he, if you had said no one more time, he probably would have said, all right, well, it was great meeting you and have a good day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, a lot of these scenarios went through my mind afterwards, so I just didn't realize what happened. But I didn't. Uh, he, just, I wasn't confident enough. I, I felt good. I, I felt confident. Um, but it just, you know, I'm, you know, the charges are going to be dismissed. And I, afterwards I thought, well, I should have just said, you know, 30 days, you know. Um, he probably would have done like that, but it, it, you know, I'm happy with it because I was, I was, you know, I've been stressed out about this obviously for, uh, you know, a couple months. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. And you know, these these guys know what they're doing. You know, this is this is their everyday game. You know, they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and hoping that you know, uh, when somebody stands up to them and pushes back, you know, it's just. Uh, you know, they don't want to lose all the ground that they gained, and so they'll try to hold on. You know, that's their job. 
uh, it's not their life on the line, so it doesn't cost them anything to hold on. And, uh, you know, hey, you know, it's, uh, I had a friend here in New Hampshire who had, he had a, he had two charges against him for driving after revocation. And we talked about it a year and a half ago. And he, and, you know, when he first went to court and he, he, uh, was able to get the, the whole thing put off for a little while and a little while longer and a little while longer and a little, and finally, uh, he just wore them out. He, they, they got to the point where they said, look, we're, we're just going to let this go. This is taking up too much resources and whatever. And, uh, you know, just don't do this again. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But he wore them out. And, uh, you know, that's basically what you did. You had them almost uh, ground down to nothing. Uh, but, hey, you know, he he didn't have a choice. He he couldn't afford to go to trial over what he was, you know, the thing that they were trying to nail him on because it carried a possible one year in jail. And, uh, you know, so basically he wore them out. And, and they I thought that they had dropped it down to some kind of violation, but I just heard a couple of days ago from somebody from somebody else that uh that uh, they, they they let it go it wasn't even a violation he he just refused to agree and they finally let go so that's some pretty cool stuff yeah huh. obviously, obviously, it's it's just, obviously it's just my opinion but i consider it a win because oh, yeah. now you don't have to worry about anything as long as you're not being a badass you got nothing to worry about and another way of looking at it is you actually acted honorably because you let the guy off the hook easy. Because if you had to beat him in court, then you could have sued him and could have ruined his career and the whole bit. So he was trying to save face and you allowed him that opportunity. Yeah, I, I think what I did, you know, writing the letters and then putting a the notice in, um, because this... Uh, he was he was real agreeable, you know, and and I was expecting, you know, to go there and they were going to threaten me, you know, how oh, you could go to jail for two years and and all the stuff, and none of that happened. So it, it really kind of threw me for a loop. And uh, one thing he did say was when I was talking about Joe, that's the uh, uh, he was the deputy sheriff that signed the affidavit, you know, and, uh, you know, the rest of me and stuff like that. Um, and when we were talking about that, I said, well, why can't, why can't him and I just settle this privately and, you know, just, you know, come in and talk it out and shake hands. I said, I didn't harm anybody. And he said, well, he's just a witness. I was like, I, I didn't quite understand that, but I, but I do now. I, I think he, he's a witness. The state is pressing the charges. You know, the officer is the witness for the state. Is, is that correct? How they is that how they play that? Uh, yeah, he's a witness for the state, but the plaintiff's never going to appear. No, no, there is no plaintiff. But, well, there is, but yeah, he but can't appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the state's the plaintiff. But, but well, no, if you're sure if you're if you're standing someplace and and another man walks up to you, then you can see him. All right, you, he, he appears like an apparition, yeah, you know, like a ghost appears. All right, so a man can appear. The state 
may be the plaintiff, but the state cannot appear. It's got no vocal cords. It's got no being. It's got nothing. It, you know, it's uh, it's, you know, it's not even a ghost. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, no. it cannot appear. Although yesterday I thought uh, I was in court yesterday, and oh, I wish I had the paper in front of me. I took notes. Uh, oh, oh, here no, that's not it either. This uh, this the state trooper says the state calls itself to the stand, and the judge said, "All right, come on up." <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, that's a new one on me. I got to talk to Carl about that one." <laughs> So you're the state, huh? I was wanted to meet you. <laughs> oh, hey, Gus, everybody's a state, though. And, well, no, he says the state. But, you know, oh, okay. Can you clarify that? Are you talking about New Hampshire? You're, you're the state? It was just hilarious. And, and even funnier, this is a pot charge. So this, this, uh, this girl was very well-dressed. Way up in northern New Hampshire, so her, you know she comes from a she's a young younger lady comes from a family with some cash, obviously, because she had this really good hot shot attorney, and uh, and the cop was on the stand, and and they went they you know on the spot it went from hey let's schedule a uh, you know let's you know this is going to move on to a. Uh, uh, they wanted to skip the probable cause phase and move it right over to the grand jury, have them indict her and all this stuff. And he, he had sort of a probable cause hearing. So the, the cop took the stand, and and this attorney tore him apart. It was just hilarious. Um, I was laughing out loud. I mean, it was just awesome. And, and the judge had an, an excellent sense of humor. Uh, he he was just he was animated to. I was there for an hour and forty nine minutes because I was there for another case and uh pending that case we were listening to all these things going through and I actually went and saw the attorney afterwards and, and told him uh, yeah, I asked him for his card. I, I already had his name and uh, told him, Hey, that was really good. That was really nice work <laughs> But the uh, the cop was the state trooper was on the stand and he said, So you your probable cause for searching the vehicle. Uh you, you said you smelled marijuana. He says, Was that fresh marijuana that you smelled or was it burnt? And he says, Well, it was just marijuana and and he says, Well, there's a I mean, would you agree there's a pretty distinct you know, difference in the smell of burnt marijuana compared to fresh marijuana? He says, "Oh yeah, we we were taught all that at the at the academy, and and he kept referring to the academy and his training. So the cops, so the, uh, the 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 attorney says, so you know, so what are you saying? It was burnt marijuana or fresh marijuana? Well, it was just marijuana. He says, well, you know, which one did you smell? Did you smell burnt? And he kept hammering on this guy." And so finally, he was leaning more towards uh, fresh marijuana. So he says, all right, so you found this, this fresh marijuana. You, you had this odor of fresh marijuana, and you said it was in this big mason jar. It was, you know, and, and he put his hands out, you know, as if he was holding a, a beach ball, something that was, you know, much bigger than a basketball. And 
So he says, uh, he says that looks like a pretty big mason jar. <laughs> he says, so what was in the mason jar? He says, well, there was, uh, 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 I think he said ten, ten or a dozen. I, I don't recall. I'll have to listen to the recording. There was, yeah, let's say a dozen uh, individually wrapped Ziploc bags in the mason jar. The mason jar itself was was all duct taped and sealed shut, and inside the glass jar with the you know uh was these twelve little baggies that were individually sealed each containing approximately a gram and uh he says well when you searched the car did you find any fresh marijuana anywhere in the car or was that only in the in the uh back seat compartment in the in the backpack in the sealed jar in in sealed envelopes in, in sealed uh, baggies, <laughs> he says. No, we, the only thing we found in the car was a was a pipe. He says, "Well, the pipe did the pipe have fresh marijuana in it?" He says, "No, it was just had it just had black residue." And where was this pipe? It was just freaking hilarious listening to this guy hammer on this entirety. It was just there was absolutely no probable cause for him to search the car. And uh, I'll get the recording uploaded sometime. You guys got to spend some time in court. It's uh, it's really uh, it, it's it's really eye opening. Uh, when, great when, stuff. I, when I went to uh, watch watch uh, court uh, before I had mine, just like because I'd never been there and wanted to just get a feel for it. The uh, the man playing the bailiff, uh, he came up to me three or four times and asked me. So so why why are you here? Are you a student? And I said, No. Are you just personal reasons? It's educational. And he was like he said, I, I you know, I just find it weird. He said, We don't have people come in to watch they usually go up to the circuit court. They don't come in and watch the magistrate court. And but he was just surprised that anybody was in there just to watch and learn. So it it was well, there's a, there's a lot to learn there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, it might be right. I need to go more and uh, just get more and more familiar and watch how this all plays out. All right. I'm trying to tap, type on the board. I can see who's talking now, but I can't type. What the heck? Is there something wrong with uh, you guys? Is anybody else having a problem with talk shoes tonight? Besides Dave, I have to my uh, the chat board after that. I've had to reboot. Keep talking. Oh, there it goes. It just loaded everything up in one shot. <laughs> All right, so I guess it's working now. Yeah, it does it in spurts. Yeah, I'm seeing that. How you doing, Dave? I am well, sir. Oh, yes. And you're Dave also. <laughs> oh, Dave and Dave. Dave and Dave. Yes. So changing the pin worked. So, changing the pin worked. Excellent. I would have never thought of that. Uh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> no, no. I texted you that, but I saw it on the board. Uh, is that, I don't know if that's Ron that's with us. I don't know if Ron's got something. 
to say. I know he's had an exciting few days, but uh, Ron said, uh, change your pen. And so I, I texted it to you in case you had signed off already. Wow. I mean, this is acting weird. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Angela texted me. She wants me to be on the call tomorrow night, so I'm going to I'm going to do that tomorrow night. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, have indebtedness to Angela. It was her that turned me on to Carl. Actually, it was her calls were the ones I listened to first. Yeah. I'm going back and re-listening to them because there was so much good stuff. It was just like Carl, the, the dam that had been holding back that which was Carl, the force of nature, had finally burst, and it was just issuing forth in torrents it was amazing but they're very dense and you got to listen to them carefully because he covers so much stuff yeah it does yeah one thing that came out that was interesting today when i was re-listening to them was that uh if you're ever brought up on felony charges uh and this stuck out because we know somebody who may have this coming their way that you should immediately not accept the charges and demand as you're right require a grand jury and that most people don't. They just go, oh, okay, and then they accept the charges from the felony, and then you're in. They're like, oh, thank you very much for accepting these charges we gave to you. You see, it's such a lovely gift. When really you could be like, oh, well, thank you so much for this lovely gift, but I cannot accept it until, of course, a gr- until a grand jury has convened and they give it to me. So uh, I thought that was of note. Well, you know, the state of New Hampshire agrees in their Bill of Rights. It says you have the right to be fully heard in your defense. I, I would imagine that that includes the grand jury, because otherwise, how could you be fully heard? Hmm. Well, yeah, and I think it's actually in the U.S. Constitution. I think there is some language pertaining to uh, grand juries, I think. I'm not sure. I'd have to go double-check to be sure. Yeah. Um, yes, there is. And I think it pertains particularly, uh, specifically to felonies, that before a felony charge can be brought, that uh, the grand uh, there has to be convening of a grand jury. So, anyway. But the question you know, I do not believe, uh, is quite to that stage yet. Uh, he uh, has yet to see if that's actually going to, to happen. Something has to happen first before that charge can be levied. So, uh, if that first thing goes away, then the next thing cannot happen. So, we will see. We will see. Yeah. So, we do well, um, I have a friend who is uh, dealing with a taxing authority of a foreign state here in the one of the United States, and uh, he, he is currently writing letters to them, and uh, it's been his first experience in writing letters. Uh, he's familiar with the process, and he'd kind of like to start writing letters with something that wasn't quite so intimidating as someone who has the, the threat of violence behind them to back them up. Uh, but, you know, it's not wait, it's just like being pregnant. It, that baby's not waiting, so it's coming. So uh, he started writing letters to get out in front of the baby to try to feel the baby before it gets birthed so it just doesn't burst upon him uh, all, all by itself uncontrollably. And it was, uh, yes, a friend. And it was very interesting. He, um, <laughs> he uh, discovered that uh, they're actually quite responsive. And um, so he's been writing, and uh, uh, he was uh, given some advice to uh, ask for a bill of particulars. 
And I told my friend, listen, you got to go listen to everything Carl's talked about. you got to go listen to all Augustus talk shoes. you got to go read up everything you can read and get as much information as you can and really marinate in it uh, before you start to get a, uh, a grip on how this works. And so he did. And he was listening to one talk shoe, and uh, one of Carl's guests uh, mentioned uh, that in this process you should ask for a bill of particulars or for a detailed bill. And he was a little confused as to why a bill of particulars, because after looking it up, it seemed like that was almost part of the statute world, that that was uh, legalese language as opposed to uh, common language. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit, and maybe some other people could chime in as well. Yeah, well, what you, uh, would you tell them about the bill of particulars? I told them I really didn't know. I said, i got to go dig into this, because, you know, I mean, bill of particulars, I always assumed of course, which is dangerous, but it simply meant a detailed bill. I mean, in you know, everyday English, you know, a bill of particulars, it's a bill with everything particularly laid out on it, you know what I mean, in detail. That's what that's what I meant it took it to mean. You know, I didn't even think twice about it. I just go, Oh, that's that's what that must mean. Then I go Googling Bill of Particulars and I keep getting like uh all these law sites start kicking back and it's like, Oh, legalese, oh you know, holding my fingers up in the shape of the cross and looking for my garlic garland to, like, you know, stave off the vampires. I'm looking it up because I have yet to study the Bill of Particulars. Mike, are you on there? Mike's still on? Yep. Hey, Mike, what do you know about the Bill of Particulars? And uh, I know Carl talks about it. And, and how to use it and so on. You want to give me a rundown on that while I look it up? Um, I think Bill of Particulars is legalese, but I'm not certain. But you could always find another way of saying it. Another option, I think, would be to put it in quotes or single quotes. I don't know about quotes because I, I would think that if you were to put it in quotes, it means that something's a set already. Yeah. All right. I've got uh, at Free Dictionary, the Free Dictionary says, a written statement used in both civil and criminal actions that is submitted by a plaintiff or a prosecutor at the request of a defendant, giving the defendant detailed information concerning the claims or charges made against him or her. So if a prosecutor is coming after you, which means uh, he would be, uh, let's say you, it was common law, it would be a prosecutor prosecuting this case. Uh, so that would apply. And if it's a plaintiff, then it would be, I know they're looking at it as uh, plaintiff and prosecutor being civil civil and criminal. But, uh, yeah, Bill of Particulars. It's, uh, I know there's a very specific meaning constitutionally, which I haven't looked up either. Uh, but that has to do with the grand jury, I believe. Yeah, my friend pointed me towards a couple of different links, one of which I pulled up just now, and it appears to have a, a lot of different meanings. That it's not, I mean, it's like we have meaning of bill of particulars, bill of particulars, alternative definition, related entries of bill of particulars in the encyclopedia of law, bill of particulars at historical law, et cetera, et cetera. And it looks like there's probably about at least four different definitions for the phrase bill of particulars. 
And I noticed uh, somebody just put into the uh, chat, require a verified bill of particulars. Scott F88. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, that would be a verifiable, verifiable bill of particulars. Okay. Verified. So, I mean, they can verify it from their from their chair out in Chicago, but if you want them to show up in your court, uh, you, you need a, a verifiable bill of particulars. You you could also just say, like, just think how a common man would say it. You could say, I require a detailed list of dot, 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 or whatever. Yeah, I require a verified bill Ver- of all the particular charges. Verifiable. Yeah, verifiable bill of all the particular charges. I require you to itemize. There you go. Everything in your claim, and uh, and list out its origins. Yeah, his uh, only other concern is though is that at some point they're probably going to bring some legal action, and there is a, a practical concerns about uh, coming after bank accounts and uh, making it difficult for him to, uh, you know act in the real world as far as, you know, in, in, in engage in commerce and get paid from his job and all that sort of thing. So, I don't know, perhaps there's probably other strategies for that. I mean, having money out of the system is great, but at some point, you know, it's nice to write a check. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I know New Hampshire has some of the strongest uh, protection laws for uh they're the residents of their state as far as what what property is exempt. Uh, So there's like a limit to what a creditor can do to come after your bank account. But I wonder if that applies from one state to the next. I wonder if they have some sort of an agreement where another state can come after one of their residents. Like a reciprocal. Uh, Yes, exactly. Reciprocity, right? Yeah. So I suppose that's something you have to go take a look at. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at 1838, a digest of the cases decided and reported in the Supreme Court. It says, uh, there's a line that says, uh, Bill of Particulars of Demand and Set Off. And on page 248, it says, in order to deliver a bill of particulars should be that the plaintiff deliver one at a given day or then show cause why he has not done so. This is uh, the case they're quoting from is Marie Oster versus Satchett. Can you link in the chat? Yeah, I don't know if the link will paste because uh, Google Books has really big lists. Oh. I doubt that. I doubt that's the full list, but yeah, that's well, not the full list. <laughs> uh, but if you do a search, a digest of the cases decided and reported in the Supreme Court of Volume Three. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I brought you there, huh? Cool. Yeah. Oh, I only posted half the link. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
It has me in the right direction anyway. Let me see here. Nothing shows up on the. Uh... What happens is you do uh, you do these Google book searches for bill of particulars, and you look for very very similar words that are used repeatedly when they talk about bill of particulars, and that'll get you even further back in time. Oh, okay. Okay, here it says uh, particulars of demand and set off. So if you did a search for particulars of demand or particulars of set off, I wouldn't do both. I would I wouldn't do the whole sentence, but particulars of demand, uh, you know, there's your common law language, like Mike said. You know, uh, just ask them for particulars of their demands, <laughs> and then you can say CF bill of particulars in, in square corner brackets. Particulars of demand, journals of the House of Commons. Uh, we are journals of the House of Lords. We're now into uh, English common law, it appears. What are you seeing that? Mm, I just uh, checked Google for... Uh, I, actually, I thought I was searching Google Books, but instead I just searched Google. And Google kicks back journals of the House of Commons, the Parliamentary Register, journals of the House of Lords, the law of pleading and civil actions. This will be interesting to take a look at. Okay. I'll leave those tabs open. And the other thing that I, I told my friend, he was a little, you know, nervous. So I was soothing him. I was saying, you know, just because you wrote something in a letter to them, and it may have been in error, that's all it was, in error. You can correct that error later on. You know, simply write, I was sorry I wrote to you about this before a bill of particulars. I was in error. What I really needed was an itemized bill and then you've corrected it. Because yeah. to err is human, and men are human, so they will err. So, yeah. Hi there. Uh, item is uh, the closest uh, meaning for uh, detailed information, for uh, etymology. And item. detail is uh, cutting in pieces. Small pieces are quantities, so detail's not a really good word to use, I guess. Maybe tailored, Bill. A bill of specifics, perhaps. A bill of specifics, that sounds good. Yeah. Yes, tell me, the, give me the specifics of the bill. I want to know what every little charge is. Quality or detail. Perfect. Specific is awesome. Words are Having fun. a special quality. <laughs> yes. Thank you, sir. Scott, uh, some folks in here there are far from common law, but I'm sure we can abuse them into common law. <laughs> so, does anyone have any uh, topics that they want to discuss? Nothing I'm willing to admit to. Oh. Uh, well, do you have any uh, topics uh, that... Do you have anything of your uh, friends or associates that you'd like to adjust or uh, that you'd like to discuss for them? 
Yeah, I, you know, here's something that's really bothering me. Is, is there's a lot of, you know, Kyle says, uh, you know, just make a claim. And I agree. You know, I'm looking at it. I agree. Make a claim. And the the problem with making a claim is people don't realize all the little nitty-gritty things that really come down to having a serious attitude about property. You know, for, for instance, you know, the, the attorneys put in things, and the attorneys are putting things that are written in a language you do not understand. How long are you willing to be controlled by members of a private club who use a language that you don't understand and have never been compensated to understand? You know, how long are you willing to put up with that? Uh, are you going to go into court and just because the judge says, well, this is the way it is, are, are you going to take it? Okay, and it's just, um, you know, the part that's so easy is that part. That's the part right there. You know, how long will you take this crap? How long will you? How long are you willing to be abused by somebody who's telling you in a foreign language that that's just the way it is? Well, uh, an attorney goes, I mean, you know, here's, here's uh, let me wrap this up, this one thought up. You have an Audrey nailed this last week. Uh, I think she's she's just. Uh, she, I think she broke through the ice and is now able to to make. Some, I think she's going to cover a lot of ground in the near future because what happened is she got sick of the abuse and she required the man to testify instead of having his attorney give offers of proof in a foreign language which she has not understood. So she cannot hold the attorney accountable for offers of proof because the attorney's not testifying under oath. Okay, the court says, well, the attorney is a is an officer of the court and is considered to be under oath at all times. All right? Bullshit. Okay, you can't hold them accountable. You know, what are you going to do, go to the Judicial Conduct Committee and say the attorney said things that weren't nice about me? And what are they going to say? Well, that's based on on what that guy said to the to the attorney. You know, so the, the so you know the attorney is getting something that is not sworn to be true from some guy who's never going to be held accountable for his statements. Yeah, you know, it, it's just all bullshit. It's it's, it's opinion. Until that man takes the stand and verifies that shit under oath, forget it. It doesn't exist. And you know, the best thing that could possibly happen is for a guy to put his stuff in front of an attorney, the attorney's secretary writes it all up, and then he swears that it's true. You take that statement, put him on the stand, and then just start tearing him apart with that paper he just put in. Right? And when we get to that point and we stop letting attorneys speak for the man that's accusing us of doing something or suing us or whatever, right? you, you make that man speak for himself. You take that stand and you speak for yourself. And when you get to that point, it's going to become so simple and scary because you know the facts. That man knows the facts. That man's not going to be able to lie through his attorney's office of proof. You, you know what I found interesting with that recording with Audra was that when she questioned about the um, if the attorney was sworn in, and, and I think the judge says uh, he's an officer of the court, He's presumed that everything he says is um, is uh, under oath, and um, and then the judge mentioned to Audra 
that uh, just as you have been sworn in, we presume that you uh, understand and, and, and know every, all about the law. I forget the uh, exact words. Well, presuming is simply a strong assumption. Yes. But it I would was, say the judge said, I would not presume anything. That's simply a strong assumption. I won't strongly assume anything. I mean, if that's the, if that's the case, Your Honor, then there should be no problem for the attorney to go up there and swear in again under oath and affirmation. Well, that, that, that's yeah, I mean, the, the, that. the point. I, the point I'm making is that when Audra was sworn in, the judge meant, uh, brought it to her attention that when you swear in, you are we are presuming that you understand and the, all the laws. That you are right. Well, you'd have to, to a lawyer up and say, and say, Your Honor, say you do not presume that I know any of this, especially since I have already stated to the court that, as far as legally and legalese, I am an idiot. Well, I'm I not aware of presume to know anything. I'm about not aware if Audra had that notice into the court or or not. I'm I'm just merely stating what the judge presumes. Right. She does. She does. And to clarify things, a a presumption is not a strong assumption. An assumption is when you take on the liability of what you are presuming. If you presume it, that's fine. It's just a presumption. But when you assume it, you are taking on the liability of the presumption. So it's a huge difference. All right. Well, I had read that someplace, so perhaps what I read was in, was in error. Um, the other thing, and more to your point, Gus, that you brought up, uh, which is well, I know also too. If the judge, I would. This is what I would do if they said that you know it's presumed that the attorney is under oath. Then I would say, well, then what mechanism does the court have in place if the attorney violates that oath? What if they lie? I believe I have brought that up. Lie, what is there to enforce them to tell the truth? I do believe Audra brought that up. What is the penalty? If there is no penalty, then they can say whatever the hell they want without any, without any worrying about anything coming back at them. But more importantly is the fact that the attorney has no first-hand knowledge and therefore has nothing to testify about. Okay, The attorney has nothing but an opinion, and why are we wasting the court's time listening to someone's opinion when the man with first-hand knowledge is sitting right there? Let's put him on the stand and let him tell his own story. What Arthur did in court was she told the judge, it wasn't even a judge, just a referee, marital referee, said, how am I supposed to hold him accountable if he doesn't take the stand? And the judge I was there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were there. Yeah, it was awesome. And like everything, like the court came alive when she did that too, because everybody was just about falling asleep. I mean, really, it was it was droning on, and I was going into alpha state. And then as soon as she did that, like like her attorney stepped back, and the judge kind of looked up, and the bailiff who had been sitting down trying not to like nod off, kind of he sat, he stood up and leaned in, and it was like, oh, it's getting interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, you know, uh, you, you were there. Tell, uh, tell everybody how, you know, what happened with his testimony, how the attorney was leading him, you know, like she had a ring through his nose, and how Audra overcame some of that. Well, the the attorney talked and talked and talked. The talks, I think they were scheduled for an hour. Wasn't the amount, that the amount of time that they had scheduled for that hearing? Was one hour? It was probably, it was probably only a half hour. Yeah, and the attorney took up probably, I would say, way over half an hour 
just droned on and on and on and on. Just, you know, like as, as opposed to burying the court in paperwork, she was just burying the court in rhetoric and painted this whole giant picture. And then Audra just brought the thing to a stop and said, you know, the, the attorney is, is saying all of these things. All of this is hearsay. She has no firsthand knowledge of any of this. I, I believe I'm paraphrasing, but this is what I remember the intent was. So how can I hold anybody accountable unless they're willing to take the stand or their oath and affirmation is square that what they say is true? Say, so what is the problem with having this man over here take the stand and swear that what he has to say is true? So do I not have the right to cross-examine this man? And the judge said, do you have any problem with that? And it, to the attorney, the attorney was like, uh, well, I guess not. And so he's like, do you, uh, Mr. So-and-so? And he's like, uh, no. So, well, take the stand. So he did. And he took the stand and he sat down. And then Audra started asking him all sorts of questions and, and started co- uh, uh, uncovering uh, inconsistencies in what he said. When he and the attorney the started unwinding that thing in a real hurry, it was like, whoa, they went from full custody to back to the partial custody agreement and just backpedaling. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so the, the attorney was asking him questions under oath and leading him on, basically making sure that he didn't stray too far from what she wanted to pull out of him. And, uh, and you know, this is uh, something that, I haven't mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but, uh, you know, the attorney put him on the stand, and he testified about the things that he wished to testify about, and only those things, according to his attorney, and then Audra was able to cross-examine him on those points. What, uh, she's not allowed, you know, in this kind of a scenario, she's not allowed to ask him questions about things that have not been testified to because she couldn't bring out some other issues because because this man was not her witness. On the other hand, if she had subpoenaed him to court as her witness, she could put him on, you know, she could just call him to the stand, whether his attorney likes it or not. You know, I subpoenaed you. You're going to sit your ass on that stand, and I'm going to go to town on you. And she could have just, she could have just had him up there as her witness. And, you know, this is something Carl told me about, a few months ago, and it's something I didn't forget about it, but it's uh, and I did talk to Audra about it, but it's something we have not yet exercised. Is you're right to call the man up just because he's going to be in the courtroom, and just because he's the, the man moving the case, or in this case moving a motion or what you know trying to move the court, uh, doesn't mean that he has to answer your questions. If you did not call him up, if you did not subpoena him as your witness, you know he doesn't have to answer your questions. He's only there for himself. He's going to give testimony, and you only have a right to cross, cross-examine his testimony. But if you call him as a witness, then it's it's you know it's wide open. You can you can talk about whatever you want that's relative to the case. Ah, well, then she definitely needs to do that. He kind Absolutely. of did that. He did that without being subpoenaed anyway. You know. No, uh, they weren't expecting it, and he was moving the court. You know, he was moving the court to. He's trying to get uh, supervised visits. Because he's trying to get Audra. He's trying to get the court to order supervised visits because he's claiming that Audra's use of common law is scary and and that uh, he doesn't understand common law and that anybody who uses common law 
is obviously a flake and shouldn't be trusted with children. Uh, and that's his whole argument. And she's getting <laughs> really upset. She, she's getting to the point where I think she's going to just rip on the on the guy at the next hearing. And she's, I, you know, she's, I don't think she's going to hold back. So she is really pissed off. Good. Uh, that, yeah, and, and I think a lot of it, I guess. What you were talking about earlier about is when will we finally get sick and tired of just letting these members of the legal society run the show? And I was listening to an early, earlier call with Carl on Angela's show, and they were discussing about how Carl's mom is an IRS auditor. And it was like, well, mom, you know, why are you going to make your money doing this? I mean, you, come on, these people. And she's like, well, this will help because eventually when they have had enough, they will learn what it means to actually be a man. You know, I don't know if she would use the words, but actually to, to understand the fraud that is being perpetrated and actually stand up and quit taking it. And it just probably comes down to, it's like, you know, why does it got to worse? Get, get, why do things have to get worse before they get better? Because if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, people change when they, have, they feel enough pain. They very rarely, you know, will move, you know, under a tiny amount of pain. It has to get pretty bad before they get sick and tired and they finally have had enough. And, you know, I guess it looks like Audrey had enough. What was interesting, too, in that when she was uh, testifying, she brought up that he said one thing, and then she said, I have proof that that was not the case. And she was holding up video recordings to show that what he said was not <laughs> accurate. Uh, and that was like, whoa. And then there was something else that came up in the testimony that I heard that was clearly wrong. They were talking about how her son uh, would not have had enough time to make it from the church back to her house, uh, that it took something like uh, like he made it in 15 minutes. And they were saying, well, it takes at least 20 minutes to drive it. You know what I mean? There's no way that he could have made it from that church to her house in, in, in 15 minutes. And then Otter brought up that it's a mile away from her house. And I went, hang on a second, a 15-year-old kid, one mile in 15 minutes. I mean, heck, you know, I'm past middle age, and I could walk a mile in less than 15 minutes if I put my mind to it, no problem. Yeah. So there was another one where he said, there's no way you could. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think you're probably do it on crutches. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, yeah the, the, the kind of stuff that was being put out there, uh, you know, it was not, it, it wasn't testimony, you know, up until the man took the stand. And, you know, when uh, when I was talking to Carl about this, you know, he said, you know, I said, you know and then this is what happened, and this happened, and this happened. And he said, yeah, of course. He says, you know, you got to the point where you were man on man. He says, you know, that's common law. Yeah, you know, that's when the sparks start flying and the shit happens and the, you know and the shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, that that's when you get down to the you know the bare bones of what's really going on. You see, you don't get that with the with the attorneys. No, they're very civilized and genteel. So common law is a lot more Springer than uh, uh, oh, I don't know, Judge what People's Court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although people's court was always pretty common law, so was Judge Judy, as I recall. I mean, it was just like basic right and wrong, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I, I think she is on the right track. I have a feeling she's going to have much success as long as she just sticks to her guns. And I think, uh, I believe the gentleman brought something up earlier about, you know, the, the slipping back into legal ease. I, I think to just keep reiterating that, they bring up something and it's like, 
you know, I'm sorry, but I think you said that in legalese, and you're probably used to doing that because you're a lawyer, and I understand and appreciate that, but um, could you state what that means in common English? Because I don't have a really, I mean, I think I know what you said, but I don't want to assume I do because half the time I don't understand what the heck you're saying. I mean, just go into the Yeah, yeah no, I, no, no way. You are, you, you're an attorney, you're speaking a language I don't understand, and you've got no first-hand knowledge. Shut the fuck up and sit down. I like your idea I, better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no tolerance or, or patience for people who come into, you know, and, you know, and the attorney, remember the attorney saying that she has no respect for the jurisdiction of this court? You know what? You know what this court is? It's the paperwork. The court is the paper. It's not the building, okay? It's the paper. Where, you know, the, 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 the court of record is the paper. Uh, you know, and i got to do more research on this, and, and this is something we really should look into. Well, he was right. Uh, she had no respect for the jurisdiction of the court because the court, from what I understand, doesn't have jurisdiction. Because the well, law is the period in statutory court. The court, okay, is the king and his royal retinue and wherever he may be. And so when uh, when you look at a man who is uh, putting in, you know, when when a man moves the, a claim, you know, and this comes from Bill Thornton stuff, when a man moves a claim, he is getting the assistance of the court because the, the government exists to secure rights and protect property. So the man goes to court to get the assistance of the government to secure his rights and protect his property, and the jury is there to protect the defendant from an overzealous prosecutor, which could be a man. You know, the man can be the, the overzealous prosecutor. He might be a vexatious litigant. So the, the jury is there to protect the defendant, uh, to protect the defendant's rights and so on, so is the grand jury. But the courts are there to help the man moving the moving the claim, and so the the court is whoever you know. It's it's the it's the Breton court or the Heiko court or the the uh, Shore right, right. court. Yeah, you know, and the and the it. jury is there, the jury is there to decide the case after the manner and customs of the people you know of that area. That's what they're there for. They actually decided. And by deciding it after the manner and customs of the people who live in that area, they need to protect the rights of the defendant from an overzealous prosecutor, an overzealous well, claimant, which makes sense uh, to me. But, but when you move the court to a, when you move it to your common law jurisdiction, when you, move it, when you move the court to common law, because man has the highest standing under the creator and everything else is subservient, does that not take away jurisdiction from every other court? The jurisdiction is now in the court of Breton or the court but of whatever. You have to go. What happens is the attorney is talking about, see, she is in the court created by the state of New Hampshire as an administrative agency for the legislature. The legislature created the courts in New Hampshire. They have the power to dismantle and construct the courts at will. Uh, they've done this at least five times and uh, where they've totally revamped the entire judiciary in New Hampshire. The judiciary had no option. It's the legislature that creates it and it brings it back down when it doesn't behave. And so this is still under the authority of the legislature. So the, the legislature is created through, you know, uh, I'm sorry, the judiciary is created through legislation, and Article 38 of our Bill of Rights you know, Bill of Rights, meaning, uh, you know, people are protected from overzealous government. You know, the, 
you shall not overstep this line, and so on. Article 38 says that the people have a right to require an exact and constant adherence to the fundamental principles of the Constitution in the formation and execution of the laws necessary for the good administration of government. All right, so the formation and execution of the laws. The laws are formed by the by the legislature, and they're executed uh the formation and execution of the laws. They're executed essentially by the judiciary. The the executive branch uh, administers, but it's the judiciary that puts the final execution on it. So, uh, yeah, and it's off with a good administration of government. So when they, you know, these courts that are created are administrative courts. The attorneys, the bar association, uh, the bar association in New Hampshire. The, uh, the 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 rules and everything that pertain to bar associations is I could start one tomorrow morning, you know. It's, it's, and I believe that Carl and I were talking about this last week that every state has that. Okay, a bar association is a membership organization. You can start a bar organization in your state, and you know I wouldn't advise anybody to do that, but uh, you know the, the rules are there, and that's how they're written. So you've got a private organization which is created as as a as a membership as a private club, and I'm I haven't looked into this part, but I'm willing to to bet that uh, the bar association is registered through the secretary of state's office like any other corporation, and therefore it is a subsidiary of the state of New Hampshire, no different than uh, all these companies that are registered through Delaware. They're registered through the Secretary of State's office and therefore subject to the to the laws of the state of Delaware. Well, the Bar Association, the New Hampshire Bar, is subject to the laws of New Hampshire, and therefore they're in. You know, they can only operate in the administrative courts. When when a man walks into that court, uh, how does he take over the court? How does he uh, assert himself and remove the court? The you know the uh, the presumption of administration only, and and situate the court with his because he's making a claim. So you know you can have simultaneous court. And when the judge asked uh, Audrey, you know, did she believe the court had jurisdiction? There was a really long pause, and she determined that yes, her court did have jurisdiction, and she did put paperwork into the court, and it was her court, and uh, there is jurisdiction there for her, and uh, I'm not sure that she agreed that the the administrative court had jurisdiction, but at what point is she going to get, you know, and, and it's not just her, I mean, there's a lot of other people that are working on, this, on the same kind of thing, you know, at what point do you get where, uh, you know, you're talking about your property, it's my property that you're dealing with here, and the court, you know, and the attorney was saying, well, she's, you know, She's uh, talking about her property. Her, you know, she's saying her children are her property. Well, uh, what do you disagree? Are you saying they're your property? Do they belong to the state? Uh, do they belong to vital statistics? You know, whose property are they? The man and the woman got together and they issued together. They issued uh, something uh, called, you know, Frank and Jimmy. And they created joint property. They, they created joint property. Just like building a house together. No, no different than that at all. And so, well, I mean, I shouldn't say no different, but yeah. Hopefully more fun than building a house, although I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how you do it. 
Depends, yeah. Depends how much uh, how much money you can afford to build with. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to this property question and these uh, all this uh, excitement and dramatizing that these attorneys do over the word property, you know, kiss my ass. You know, I, you didn't you didn't have any. Uh, you've got no vested interest whatsoever in that property. And Carl talks about this where you know Obama was talking about you know the the uh the the that they wish to have uh an interest in everybody's children well you know that that means that they have a say over what goes on with everybody's children by vesting some kind of uh you know of an interest in them so there's a lot to be said for the stuff that we're learning i mean we've got a long way to go, but uh we're definitely making some progress. I think I think a lot of it simply has to do with being understanding that you're going to be constantly challenged while you're there in court. I mean, uh, Carl talked about when his sister went up in front of the judges on her divorce case that the judge challenged her three times. You know, uh, you know, what are you doing? There? She says, you know, I lay my I you know woman lay you know blah 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 said her name now lay my case before the court. And he says, are you sure? Do you know what you're doing? And she repeated herself. So you're really sure? I mean. Sure, you want to do this? And she repeated herself again. He said, "Oh, okay then." And then, as soon as the attorney opened his mouth on her husband's side, she went objection. Say, so, you know, uh, did because uh, it was a woman. Said, did my uh, husband uh, grow ovaries and mammaries, and uh, his voice went up a couple octaves? Because that doesn't sound like my husband speaking. <laughs> and then the judge had to tell the attorney like two or three times to sit down and shut up. <laughs> And I think that's what's happening in Audra's case is that she's being constantly challenged for jurisdiction of her case. And it was good that she did that when he, the judge asked her, do you believe that you know, the, the, the court has jurisdiction? And she perhaps clarifying at that point, yes, I believe my court has jurisdiction. You know, of course my court has jurisdiction. How could my court have anything other than jurisdiction? I'm a woman here before you in this court. This is my court. Of course, it has jurisdiction. It's superior to any other court. And then let the judge try to challenge that <laughs> if he wants to. But he probably won't. He's probably just trying to make sure she knows she sticks to her guns. And maybe a lot of it also just has to do, I mean, the judge in that case was a referee, but they're just totally unfamiliar with this because they never learn any of this stuff. You know, they just learn it in the beginning, like, yes, uh, all of our modern statutes and codes uh, came from the common law and are based on it. Now on to 50,000 pages of UCC, blah, blah, blah. And that's as much as they get, I believe, because none of that applies to them because they can't speak in a common law court because, unless they have first-hand knowledge or, or, you know, information about it. And even then, they can't speak as an attorney. They would have to speak as a man. At least that's my understanding of it. I could be an error. <laughs> Only a man can give testimony in court. Yeah, it's 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 never uh, it's never the building inspector or the IRS agent or what. It's always a man or a woman that has to give testimony. Yeah, it's, it's uh, everything else. You know, is just uh, paperwork. You know, it's just an affidavit. It's it doesn't exist as testimony until it's spoken into the record, and that is even in their courts. You know, that's doesn't matter what kind of court you go into, it's not testimony until it's sworn to under oath. So 
you can't hold anybody liable until it's sworn to under oath. And to hold an attorney liable, good luck with that. That ain't happening. You know yeah, they don't have any first-hand knowledge, and, you, and you're not you're standing there letting them talk instead of freaking out. See, well, I mean, there it is. You know, it's going to shut the attorney up. Attorney starts talking, say, you know, objection. What's the objection? This is, who is this person, and do they have any first-hand knowledge about that that matters in this case? Now, see, the uh, I've heard not to use the word objection. Okay, and, so hold and, on a second. You know, well, what about just saying, wait, order, wait, order, order. Someone is speaking in my court. I think you do what Kyle does. Dude, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> Hold <laughs> up. <laughs> what do you know about oh, that? Who is this? And do, wait, do you have any firsthand oh, hold, yeah, I know you want to talk to me. Do you have any firsthand knowledge of this, yeah, in, you know, be, this matter? Be, any firsthand knowledge? You want to take a stand? Then be quiet, don't, please. You're disrupting yeah, the court. Don't be talking like a wannabe attorney. Stay away from that shit. He's quick disrupting the court here. I'm trying to have an adult conversation here with this man that's bringing a claim against me. You know, who are you? (laughs) Who are you to me? That's right. (laughs) Have we met? (laughs) I don't believe we've met. (laughs) What is is your interest in this case? Yeah, how about this? If you continue to interfere with my right... To, to access this court, and you keep sticking your two cents in there, causing me harm, I'm going to seek compensation. That's right, and I'm expensive. I've had to take time out of my day to show up here, and we only have a certain amount of time, and you are wasting it. We are not going to get it back. You know, let's see here. How much did I pay to get the court open and fees and da-da-da-da-da? I think you uh, you got a tab of about 150 bucks right now. You want to keep running it up? Now, the compensation thing I wouldn't do in open court. That's uh, You do that through letter writing, by the way. Letter number one, letter number two, and then fair warning. Don't be don't be blasting that stuff out in court. That'll get you in deep shit. I'll write a letter for him. Say, can we have leave of court? I need to write this person a letter. Take ten minutes, go write the letter, come back in the court, hand it to him. <laughs> well, uh, they need time to answer. You know, it's, uh, I'm being facetious. That's <laughs> yeah. Speaking okay, of, but not everybody knows that. Speaking of letter writing, when you you write your first letter of notice, and then your second letter, like if you're writing to a government official, Brenda or whatever her name might be, and you write to her as the woman Brenda, and then acknowledge her capacity that she's in. When she responds to you, or she has her legal assistant respond on behalf of her. You never really got a response with her, so you write another letter saying, uh, you know, I hope this letter reaches you. Uh, The last one was uh, intercepted or interfered with by someone else. Uh, You you have not yet answered my questions. Uh, So you get that letter. Then that letter is answered again by another woman acting on this other woman's behalf. What, what's your what's your third letter? How do you how do you what's the best way to approach that last letter? Like saying, okay, now you're, well, you're the, uh, ignoring me, or you know, now you no longer, or like especially if you ask for a point of law, you know, provide me the point of law that deals with this issue. And they well, really you're think, writing you're you're writing to somebody, and somebody else is interfering with the delivery of the mail. And uh, let's let's say you're writing to the chief judge, and you're and you're looking for 
you know, uh, a point of law or, you know, conclusions of fact or whatever, you, whatever purpose you're writing to them about. Uh, if somebody inter- interferes with that letter, uh, you know, one time, two times, the third time I'd be writing to Frank, the secretary, and saying, hey, Frank, you, you know, you, you do cause, uh, you, you do cause I, a man, harm by interfering with my uh, my right to communicate with uh, Lucy, who uh, sometimes acts as judge, and uh, you know, man to man, I'm telling you right now, knock it off, because you know, if you keep doing this, I'm going to have to seek compensation. Yes. So one of the replies that I received back in in a circumstance was like that was, um, uh, we would no longer wish for you to, or we we request that you no longer contact us in this manner. Um, any, any future co- any further correspondence from you will be returned therein, and uh, any future co- yeah any future correspondence will be returned. Well, I would say I would I would write back. I would love to honor your request. However, you and I have a matter which needs to be settled. Hopefully, on the private side, because it's just a request. Now, if they say that they're going to require or they're going to demand or stop freaking writing me, then I would send one more saying, well, I'm very sorry that you would not settle this on the private side. I guess we're going to have to settle it in court and let 12 of our friends and neighbors decide this for us. Unless, of course, you would like to settle on the private side, please contact me because I would like to spare ourselves that time and trouble and also spare 12 of our friends and neighbors the time and trouble because I'm sure they'd rather be doing something productive rather than listening to two grown people not be able to settle our our differences in in an amicable manner or something to that extent. That's what I would say. respond like that to the chief judge to the chief judge chief justice this is to the chief justice okay. all right to the chief justice so wait you're trying to get information from him he does not want to respond to you right okay is it possible to get the chief judge the information you need from anybody other than the chief justice i mean he has people who work for him doesn't he have a subordinate well they provide I, the information I, you've gone through you've gone through the local judge Okay. Answer. You've gone through the regional judge who's refused to answer. Okay. And you've written to the chief judge. Okay. So is this in, is this in the U.S. or Canada? Not that I know that much about. Kanakistan. Okay. So in Kanakistan. Okay. Uh, all right. Canada. Then I would be, of course, be polite. But I mean, it just is he aware that you've gone through all these judges and that the buck is stopping with him? Yes. Okay, is there anybody superior to him that can answer the question? Chief Judge, no. That's the top oh. dog. The, the Ministry of Attorney, uh, the Attorney General, I believe. Is, uh, okay, so the Attorney General is over the... All right. Well, then I would write one more letter saying, you know, I, I, I appreciate, because, okay, this is a judge. He's writing to you. He's being very specific in his language, I would have to presume. I mean, how would they not be? Um, And if he is requesting, that's not demanding. That's not threatening. That's not saying, stop fucking writing to me or, you know, there's going to be consequences. He's just probably just, I don't know, for whatever reason, he's trying to blow you off. He won't go away. Just say, I really wish I could honor your request. I really would. 
if you could simply answer this question, this would be great. Is there anyone else that you can think of in your organization, you know, either above you or below you or to the side of you, who can give me the information that I need? Because I really want to get an answer to this question. And you would seem to be the one in a position of authority, you know, to, to answer this question. And, I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm, I guess I would actually have to read what you've written and get a, a much better understanding of what's going on to craft those I, words in I, such a way to try to, to get him to respond. You know what I mean? Can I just cut in for a second there? Of course. Uh, is this the butcher? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, I believe I heard your call, and you said that the clerk or someone else wrote the letter for the judge, correct? No. Oh, okay, so it was the judge himself yeah, who wrote, wrote to you, right? I wrote, the, I wrote no, I wrote, yes, yeah, someone else wrote the letter on behalf of the judge. Yeah, 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 so that's, that, that's, that's, that's clear now, okay. Just want, wanted uh, the, the fellow who's talking to know that uh, the letter was written on behalf of the judge, not the judge himself yeah, yeah saying I was going to bring that up. The letter was written oh, to the chief judge. The chief judge referred the letter to her assistant who who wrote on her behalf. Okay, I'm going to the chief judge's behalf. All right, so the judge didn't want to deal with it, handed it off to an assistant, who Correct. handed it off to another assistant who wrote the letter. Correct. No one okay. assistant. All right, well then, I mean, I think you got it. And if that's the case, then you have to deal with the assistant. I mean, it's, you know, if you're talking to the head of the corporation and you're trying to find out, you know, what happened with the shipment of widgets or how you're supposed to get the, the supply chain thing worked out because you're a vendor, you're not going to talk to the CEO about that. You're going to talk to the logistics manager. So I would, I would write to them. And eventually it may get back up to the chief judge. I mean, he's just trying to push you off and shuffle you around, um, it sounds like. Uh, or maybe legitimately he's like, I can't, I don't have time to answer this. This is why I have subordinates. So, I mean, I guess I would really have to read all the papers to get an idea of, like, yeah, how the that, correspondence was, went. I was trying to figure out what am I missing in my questioning for them to not... So can I cut in again? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. so I believe uh, Mike and I and Vital were, were speaking about uh, your case and... Uh, I'm under the assumption that the judge has full jurisdiction because you were licensed and she can't hear you whatsoever. Otherwise, uh, that would be what's, what do they call that compromising? Uh, um, yeah, you, you just can't speak to the judge on, uh, because it, it's, 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 it's on, on Eric, Eric. Eric okay. So um, the judge has full jurisdiction because of this licensing crap, right? That's well, what I'm thinking. But who's to say I was operating under the license at that time? That's true. Um, That's so, and, and I know you're having a hard time getting any notices in. So I guess you're going to have to stand in court oh. with all your notices and, sta and, and wave them around and say, Wait. well, I'm not speaking unless... Notices. Notices are not being. You're handing notices while you're in court, or you're you're trying to put paperwork into the court. It's not going in. I, I, it's, it's. I'm attempting to file a notice in the court prior to a trial. Okay. 
every noise. Well, okay, and they, I think I heard you on a previous shoe, and they were giving you a hard time about the, the color of the paper and this and that. They're Absolutely. giving you the wrong round, right? Absolutely. Okay, you need to say, listen, I understand to the clerk, right? You're giving the paperwork to the clerk. Just tell the clerk, listen, you're a very nice person. I understand you're just following the instructions of how you've been told to do your job, and you're doing it the best that you can. But I'm going to make this very easy for you, uh, and I'm going to mark this file on demand. You know Absolutely. what that means, right? I then did. they have to give it to the judge. It I goes did. right, over, right I past. I did that. I, I put the paper on the counter file on demand. Yes. Called security, and three security guards came and pushed me out of the building. Oh, wow. So then, well, you're going to have to make this a bigger case then because they're interfering with your access to, to your right to access the court. So I was and told. They're, interfering, they're I was, interfering with the proper the proper function of the courts. They are acting in a lawless manner. You're going to you're gonna have to make a big stink out of this, I'm afraid, so I, before so they I went, follow the law. So I was told as they were pushing me out the door, and I had a witness with me, not to come back, okay? So I went then to the next jurisdiction, or the next neighboring county, and went to see a justice of the peace. Okay. And I said to the justice of the peace, I'm trying. I'm attempting to file this uh, notice in the court because you're required to file the notice, take it out, have it served on the people, provide proof of service. That's your proper notice. Is that correct? Yes. I'm I'm unable to file these documents. They're telling me that they're not on the right form, and that they're not the right color paper and that they had an order from the judge saying that they're not to accept any paperwork until the day of trial. And she looked at me kind of funny, and uh, she says, what notice are you trying to file? Right? So I said to her, one of them is a notice of mistake or a notice of error. And she says, well, I know of no notice, no legal notice like that. And I said, this is a lawful notice. And she says, well, there is no law that states of a notice of mistake. She said, do you know of any law of such? And I looked back at her and I says, I don't know of any law that, that hinders me from filing this notice. I said, do you know of a law that I'm not allowed, that I cannot file a notice of mistake or a notice of error? And she says, no, I don't. So I said, then I should be able to file this notice. She says, I can't help you in this jurisdiction. You have to go back to that court and file it with the hearing judge. You know what your problem is, Dave? Yeah, what? Big mouth. Why are you telling her all this stuff? Why are you arguing with her? I know, I'm when, asking a question. When, I want to know how when, the process is. No, when she when she asks you what is the notice that you're trying to file? Yes, exactly. That's true, Mike. Ask, ask her how is that relevant to you? Exactly. Yeah, and after I got out, and I, I, yeah, that's true. you got to stop talking you. and... When when they're asking you questions, you should be firing questions back or putting it all on paper or at least put it on paper after you get home. Record it and write it down according to our face-to-face -face conversation yesterday. You said this, you said that, whatever, but it's got to be on paper and you got to stop going back and forth with these people because now you, I don't know how, how much of a difference it makes, but... Now you've told her to notice a mistake, which is going to scare them a little bit. And then you say, you notice this, I notice that. And they're like, oh, shit, now I know why they're not filing this. And they're going to be working against you right off the bat. 
Yeah. Whereas if you leave it where I'm trying to file a notice and they won't let me, and that's all they know, now they know they got a problem and they got to help you. But when you start yeah. saying it's a notice this, a notice that, and you start yeah, scaring people. Okay, good enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. These people are not your friends. Well, they are your kidding. disobedient servants. No kidding. But the issue is is, is now I'm, I, as of yet, have been unable to file any notices. I've been kicked out of the court. Well, a couple of things. I'm not really sure. I, I believe it's a little different down here than it is up there with regards to that. Um, have you listened? Did you listen to the call with Mo that Gus did? Yes. Okay, I thought that was great. I've listened to that three times. I'm probably going to listen to it a couple of more because I think Mo is on to something. Okay. I mean, if when it, assuming this is going to come to trial, for some reason you can't settle this in letter writing, which may be a possibility. Um, these notices can be entered in when you're at court, correct? Um, correct. I mean, I don't, does Again, anyone else know? I tried correct. To. I'm sorry? That's correct. Okay, so last, I mean, it's great that you're trying to, you're actually trying to help them out by doing it ahead of time and saving them the embarrassment of what is going to happen. As long as you stick to your gun, stand as a man, don't open your mouth in court and write everything down and hand it to them in notices. Because they're just going to get all this stuff unloaded to them, unloaded on them in court, which is, oh, well. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, and I, and I can fully understand why you wouldn't want to go to court, because I, you know, everybody, I know I talk a good game when I'm on the phone about going to court, but when Ashley gets honest and sit down and think about going there, holy crap, talk about stress. Who needs that? Which I think is another reason why Mo is on to something. Don't open your mouth in court. Just write it all down in notices and take your time. The, the very you don't have to be in a hurry. You know, it's like you got all day to write that stuff down. And make sure it's dead on, and then hand them the notice. The very and tell them refer to the court of record that notice. Notice number twenty-three. You might start having to repeat yourself of previous notices. You know, make a copy of the notice before you hand it to them, so you know which one you handed. Absolutely. The hey very, there. The very first hearing, I handed in my four questions and notices. The judge started reading the, the first two questions and said, uh, you'll have to bring this at trial. He says, I'm not accepting this paper. Okay, well, they, may, they want a trial. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I would still write letters to some of the other people there in the, the legal system, in the judicial system, to see if you can avoid going to trial because it's such a giant you know, inconvenience. What about but getting hold of the attorney general? Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have letters to the Attorney General that have come to answer as of yet. I'll get them on speed dial like Carl said. There and then go. go to the court. Correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah right. put them and on speed dial. And establish some letter writing with, with, that, with the Attorney General and keep a record of all that. Very good. It's just I keep hearing everybody say you have to file your notices before you before the, the trial, right? Well, they're not Carl letting you. And, you're gonna you know, and get people to swear under oath and affirmation that you attempted to file all this paperwork, you know, then they would not let you. And, in fact, you were bodily removed, that they trespassed upon your person. You might even want to file a claim on a couple of those security guards who probably were instructed in error that they could do that to you. Uh, and go after their bond. I don't know. Uh, public servants in the United States are bonded to uh, protect the uh, the government against uh, claims. 
So if they hurt somebody, then the bond pays out the claims, what, what I understand. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I'd like Dave to talk about um, is the court up there. Dave went to the, uh, when he was talking, one of the things that the, the clerk said is that the building was leased by the Bar Association, by the Crown. Uh, so oh. yeah, it is the bar, it is the Crown's, uh, clerk. It is the Crown's court. It is the Crown's oh, security. It's the Crown's everything. So what I had told Dave to do is go to your county commissioners and find out, look, you guys are leasing out the public courthouse to the Crown. Uh, where do I go? Which, you know, is it door number three that I have to go into in order to access my common law court? So uh, I don't know if Dave, if he's had a chance to follow up with that. No, uh, I went and spoke to uh, uh, one of the uh, county. He's not a commissioner, but the, the uh, he's a CEO of the county, and he said yes. He in fact confirmed that the crown leases the building. Uh, there is no other space available for leasing to to hold any courts or anything like that. Um, and I have an email in or to the uh, one of the commissioners to find out. Uh, exactly what you were talking about, Gus. Um, um, where is the public's court to go and file a claim? Where can a man or woman go and file a claim without going through the Bar Association or the Crown? As far as I am underst understand, or as far as I've been been told, the Crown administrates the justice system for the people which to me doesn't make clear. It's not clear 100% why they why they do that. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong thing. That's not the Crown. It's the Ministry of Attorney General who's responsible for the administration of the courts. But still yeah, I, part of the I don't know. I think, you gotta, I, I think a lot of times, and I hear this happen to a lot of people, it seems like we end up getting bogged down in minutiae trying to figure out a way to work you know, because it's already there and set up, it seems like it should work, but it's not set up to work for us. It's set up to work for them. I think you're going to have to, you're going to probably end up ultimately having to take this to trial. You have to take this to court. You're going to have to file all your notices while you're in court, and you're going to have to stand as a man. What's to stop uh, the judge at that time to say, I'm not going to accept these, your notices? Then you have to send him, give him a notice. Uh, he's gonna, I don't think, can he do that? I don't think that's possible. He's done it at every hearing that I've been to. But he won't accept well at the hearings. But he said he, he he can't accept them at the hearing. He has to accept them at trial. Yeah, he did. He said bring them to you, bring them to to the trial. It didn't say okay. he would accept them. Well, he, he said he wouldn't accept them at trial, or he said he wouldn't no, accept he them. Did, at the he, he said neither I would or I would not accept them. He just said bring your documents to the trial. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. But that doesn't necessarily mean he will accept the documents. Well, okay, if you're in court, Dave, on the day of trial, and the um, you know the, the very first thing, the first paper that you're going to put into the court uh, is, the is court your notice record. of appearance. You know, you're, you know, this is, I, I appear only as a man. I do not appear as a defendant. I do not appear as you know whatever other titles. 
uh, you know, you would like to put in there. For instance, if this if this was a an issue having to do with a driver's license or speeding ticket or something to do with the the uh, motor vehicle code, you can say, "I appear only as a man. I do not appear as an operator, a driver, a defendant." And you would use the terms that you know have to do with motor vehicle because that's not who you are, and you appear only to. Uh, actually, let me. I just did one. Well, I, I get that. Like they handed the summons directly to me. I'm the man. I'm, I'm a yeah. man. They handed it directly to me. So I'm the one who received the summons to appear in my capacity as a man. Otherwise, they would have sent it to the fiction. Or the well, the fiction person. is attached to the man. The person, right? Yeah. Well, the fiction is attached to the man. But you can either be the fiction or the man. So they have to go. They they so they're assuming, and rightly so, that the the, the the fiction belongs to the man. So go to the man because he's the one that owns the fiction. It's your fiction. Yeah. And here here's and the thing. At one, of, at one of the hearings, uh, I sent in a, a, um, a notice a challenge to jurisdiction, and it was right. it was put into the case file, and I got a copy of the case file with the notice of ju- jurisdiction challenge. Hang on, guest fourteen just chimed in on the chat. You're the resident agent for the name. So I guess you're the resident agent for the name, the person. Well, if I can clarify something, Dave is not the owner of the legal person. The Crown is. Yeah, the Crown owns the legal person, obviously. Ah, okay. But that means that he's the agent for that legal person. So they own it, and you're administrating the property. Or could it be that Dave's the man, and that's that? That's that. that, I have that. no, I, I have no clue what this legal person is. I have no no idea who this all capitals name is on this page. All I know that I Dave am a man. Correct. Who, that's not me. I only They're appear. Not, notice. I only appear in this court as a man, and I accept no other titles. Yes, and then 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 that's where you run into where the judge will say, okay, we're looking for William Dave. Uh, you're, is William Dave here today? He's not here today. We'll issue a, war, a bench warrant for him. Then you say, thank you for your judicial determination that I am not the man you are looking for. Go ahead, issue your warrant, go find the defendant and bring him in here. I'll wait right here. You go get him, bring him to court. I wouldn't wait at that point. I'd be like, thank you very much. I'm glad that you, this was a case of mistaken identity. See ya. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How did that work out for Ron? As soon as, as soon as you're standing right there and he says that they're going to issue a warrant for somebody else, beautiful. Thank you for, thank you for saying that I'm not the guilty party. I'm not the defendant. I'm, I got nothing to do with this case. That's a very good point. That's excellent. Yep. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for recognizing I am not the defendant. I hope you find him. Have a nice day. <laughs> very good, very good point. Hello, can I butt in? This is Aquila. Hey, Aquila. Hi. Um. So you, I mean, there's another way I believe you can file your paperwork. Um. You know, they have forms. You ask them, is there a form that you can bring in your, you know, bring in a complaint? And they probably do have one. You fill out that complaint form, but you put on there Exhibit A. 
And then you write in your claim. The only reason you fill out this form so the uh, clerk can file it. So it has nothing to do, uh, exhibits has nothing to do with your claim. It means you will get your claim in. So file the claim as an exhibit attached to a complaint? Yeah, no. What I'm saying to you, they have a form for complaints. And that's legalese, yes. But that's something they understand. Obviously, they don't understand your paperwork. So, therefore, you fill out that complaint form that they understand. And once you fill it out, you put somewhere on the paper, exhibit A. Don't let them see you. Mm-hmm. And then you put your, then on your claim, you're going to put the only reason you fill out that form, that complaint form, is so the secretary could file it. Yes, I, I we we did that because I filed a in their thing a notice of motion for more time to a postponement for more time. Okay. And I we I used their form and I went through probably five or six times because I had crossed out certain words written in my own words, square bracketed stuff. They wouldn't accept anything. Right, I don't like cross. That. You see, that's yeah, so you're going anyway, Just a minute now. Just a minute. So, anyways, the the notice of motion for for. Uh, uh, postponement was entered into the file when I was in the other day to get the when they threw me out I got a copy of the case file that notice of motion and those documents are no longer in that case file along with my challenge for jurisdiction that I had before that was in the previous uh, case file that I got okay yeah, wait, 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 somebody took it out of your case file yes hold on hold on hold on hold on did you did they stamp it when you filed it? Yes. The notice. Well, hold on, hold on. Do you have a copy of it with the stamp on it? Yes. They're done. You have evidence that they're tampering Holy with crap. the file. You have, now, you have evidence now that they're tampering with the file. It was actually wow. filed and been removed, and you have the proof that it's been filed. Good there catch. Go. There you go. Yep. Good catch. So your paperwork is in. Holy crap, you like leapt over the back wall and grabbed that thing from like the third row in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah. So now who do I take this to? No, you the keep attorney? it. Make sure you keep copies of that because keep that you know, someplace you, safe. Keep it right, you don't safe. want that to get missing. And Maybe then when you do pull the box and bury it in the yeah. backyard in a fireproof, waterproof safe and get a hold of the attorney general. Yeah, make a couple of copies. Someone's of gonna that. have to get defrocked. Someone's got to go to jail. Holy cow. Holy cow. It wouldn't hurt to get another copy of the uh, case file and periodically do it, see how how it morphs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? Keep doing that. Do it some more. Put a pile in and have them take it out. Well, I mean, if because if they did it once, if they, how many yeah, times do you think that they've done this? How many, how many, how many pieces of paper do you think that they've done this to? Okay, so, how many so here, here, here's here's the thing: the the challenge to jurisdiction, the notice of motion for postponement, was put into the file, stamped and put into the file. At the notice of motion, at the hearing for postponement, I handed in the challenge for jurisdiction to the judge. The judge received it. I gave the prosecutor a copy. Those files I didn't get a stamped copy of. 
the notice of mo- for uh, for um, challenge to jurisdiction. However, mm. when I got a copy from the clerk, they were handed to me. A copy was handed to me of those documents. Um, when I went back again to get to get to, to file the uh, more notices, uh, they those documents were removed. All my registered mail that I sent was in the stack of papers there, unopened. What they didn't return was there was there unopened. But however, when I re- when I requested the or required the uh, uh, complete certified copy of the case file, I was given just the original four or five documents. What was the uh, summons? Two pages of the summons, and three pages of the information, and a copy of the um, original ticket from the uh, offense officer. So I was back down from nine documents to I believe it was six six or seven. And you have copies of these these documents that yes. they removed from the case. Okay, those things are more. That, that's a lottery ticket right there. You got to keep that safe and figure out some way. I mean, maybe you want to find somebody who is a person who will swear under oath in affirmation, show them the documents, videotape them with the documents, just in case. Because if anything happens to those, you got nothing. But that's the proof that you've got. And perhaps you might be able to enter some more paperwork in and have them tamper and trespass on the paperwork again, remove evidence. This seems very similar to what they did to Carl with putting a fake contract into his case file and not letting him see it. Only in this case, this indicates to me that you are on the right track. They know they don't, that they have no jurisdiction. they got nothing to stand on. And the only way that, that they're going to they're gonna be able to run over you is if they break the law, if they lie, cheat, and steal, and oh, you know, they, they fraud. Would, they would never break the law. <laughs> well, you're going to try for the jury. They know though that this is the only way you're going to win, and they're hoping you didn't catch it. And if what if what you're saying is accurate, and what Mike is saying is accurate, these guys are screwed. True blue screwed. You're going to get paid, baby. <laughs> so now, do you think the jury needs to hear this? Oh, I can't. I think I might make a trip to Canada just so I can sit in the gallery. Why not? Like well, I have, I, have ma- I have made scanned copies of the documents, and they are within a couple different locations uh, in in storage. But uh, the originals, um, they are also in uh, in, a safe in a safe place. place. Yeah, they're in a safe place. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Uh, the uh, you had talked to me about them receiving it. Stamp. They stamped it received. But they did not stamp it filed. Yeah, no, it was stamped filed. The notice of motion was stamped filed. But the notice, okay. the no, that one particular document, the notice of motion for more time, was stamped and entered into the file and properly served. The the process server would have a copy of those documents as well. Uh, is that the one that's missing? Or I thought there was that, a different that's one. That's the one. Missing. That's the one that is missing from the current case file that I got on oh, the day really? it was thrown out. Well, now there's also the possibility that this paperwork may resurface at some point. Oh, I'm sure it was because there was a whole stack. There was about a. About well, they may they may be just trying to keep it out and hoping that you lose it. So yes, yeah, so a jury is going to have to you, you, you're going to have to bring this out in court because they probably somebody is probably what happened is somebody just told the clerk, hey, do me a favor, you know what I mean? We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Just take these out of the file and, and keep them someplace safe. You know what I mean? 
and and she knew it was wrong, but she did it anyway because she got sold that some. Was I don't know. Who knows? That who knows what they do? They tell people to get them to do stuff like this. You know what I mean? But the paperwork probably still exists someplace. It's just that it's not where it's supposed to be. It's not in its proper place. So they're hoping that you will lose it, that you will not be able to produce it. You know, because I think once you come to court, when you're initially in court and you bring this stuff forward and it's like, you know, the, 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 this, we're, this court does not have jurisdiction. Jurisdiction was supposed to be in this court. And here's the paperwork that proves it. The, the, the judge, who may not even have access to it at that point, they might not have produced it, go, where'd this paperwork come from? How come I don't have a copy? Say, well, I don't know. Maybe you need to talk about the people who are administrating the paperwork. It appears, perhaps, that uh, they are sloppy with it because we shouldn't even be here right now. We should be in my court. Are you going to be seeing the same judge that's already rejected it? Uh, actually, he made a comment at the at the last hearing that he say, uh, said, I may not be your uh, the trial judge. Mm. I don't see, yeah, he can't. <laughs> he probably He's won't. Running. But make copies of that so the day of the trial you had everybody a copy of your file. There you well, he said, wait, wait. He said he may not be your trial judge. That's correct. He didn't say he, he, didn't say he might not be your trial very, judge. He was very ambiguous, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, that's not ambiguous. I might not be your trial judge is ambiguous. I may or I may not be your trial judge. I may not be your trial judge means I may not. I am not allowed to be your trial judge. It's a way of saying he's not allowed without saying being explicit that he's not allowed. So something happened. He can't be your judge. So maybe something funky happened with the paperwork. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Would it, would it have anything to do with me sending him a letter? I no, I think it has everything to do with you, that you're claiming to be a man and they don't want to let you. Maybe that's why. He may not be your judge because he can't stand, He can't act as a magistrate in a court of record. Okay. And if you're that's not able to flip this possible. court, are you going to go for a jury? Um, apparently, in this in this case, it's it's not it's a non-jury. Uh, and, and no, all cases is jury. You have all, to say well, you want I don't know what all, all look all common law courts are are jury courts. The jury is the judge. The magistrate is the administrator, and you are the prosecutor. Mike, Mike might know a little bit about about the POA courts. Uh, I I'm not really sure about all that, but yeah. I would my opinion is in most cases you do not want to go with a jury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I w- I don't think this is a good time for a jury. Because no. the 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 average uh, the average idiot that's going to be on the jury is going to be looking at it as these guys are the city, you're a corporation, and the prosecutor's doing his job, and everybody's doing their job, and they're not going to understand. First, the judge knows the black and white letter of the law, and he's going to know a man's a man, and what they're doing is wrong. A judge is going to know that he's liable. There's another reason. The jury takes all liability away from the prosecutor or the judge. So I would go with the bench. Right. Sorry, it's loud here. I would go with a bench trial because at a bench trial you can hold both the judge and the prosecutor liable as a man. And juries can be manipulated like crazy. They'll kick the jury out and scream at you. They'll kick well, wait, you wait, out wait, and wait, wait, the that's, jury. That's statutory court, though. That's not a common law court. Yeah. Common law court, the jury is there to hear the man. First, there'll have to be a man making a claim against you. 
but so it's, judge, not gonna go that, it's not going to go that far because nobody's going to get up there from the government and swear under oath and affirmation that they were harmed because there was no harm. There was no harm in your case. They won't do that. And well, if they they did, talking, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're not talking about harm. They're talking about a contract violation. All right. Okay, he's under contract. They're, they're claiming that he is under contract, uh, you know, because he owns a butcher shop or a, a market, and that market uh, is somehow registered or affiliated with the state, with the province, with whatever, and that they have a health board which monitors these things, and therefore he violated the contract right. provision. Okay. And when you look at, you know, what happened is Dave and I were going through this, and uh, – He's being charged with obstruction of a health board officer. That's one of his charges. And the health board ordered Dave to do X, Y, Z. When you research the statutes, the uh, health board has no authority to order a man. They only have authority to order a person. So in this case, you're talking about a contract violation, like Dave said, where you know, who says I was operating under a license? You know, what man is going to come forward and verify under oath or affirmation that I was operating under any kind of a license at that time? And then, uh, you know, where's your authority to order I, a man, to do anything? You know, you wrote this order to a man. You did not write this to my to my business or to you know to to any kind of a person which in your code is described as a municipality, a health board unit, or a corporation. Yep. So, you know, he, he's got some really good angles, but it, it needs to be all on paper. It, it cannot... Could, Go ahead. could this be an equity court? Oh, Why no, it's, it's Why administ- it? no, it's not. It's administration. It's an administrative okay. court being, you know, this is a court that's being administered uh, under the contract laws of the state. Yeah, here's something else. So because this because this entity who's coming after me is a is um, is a public entity, it's a health board, it's a it's a corporate it's a, an autonomous corporation governed by a health board. Um, who hires a uh, a, um, a director of health. To well, wait. Manage Hang them. on. Yeah. Hang on. The corporations are not coming up. This health board corporation is not coming after you. Yeah. The, the yeah. men or the women working for this health no, board no. corporation are well, coming after you. I'm just saying the, the entity who is who is they're prosecuting on behalf of oh, okay. health board is an is an entity that is an autonomous corporation. So I went to the state or pro, here we call it provincial records files. Mm-hmm. And I pulled the certificate of no record, so there is no record, no letters patent, no. Uh, there is nothing registered for this entity in the provincial archi- or records of corporations. So I have a letter from the judiciary. Uh, I have to. I have to look if it's the judiciary or if it was from the Ministry of Health. I believe it was the Ministry of Health. Who said that it's an autonomous corporation made up of the local counties who operate this entity? But there is no there is no registration in the government records that they have letters patent or that they've renewed or that they're 
outstanding. It's a certificate certificate of of record. There is no record that they. Well, that doesn't sound like a common law way of 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 you know revealing a false claim. But well, it it's just it's like just proof that it's a fictional entity. Yeah, but it does show that not only is it a fictional entity, it's not even a properly registered fictional entity. Correct. It's it's literally Santa Claus. Who's coming? Uh, well, I mean, it'd be I don't know how you can introduce that. Um, yeah, that, that's a might be something. There might be something to make it go away. You might just say notice to the judge and play. I can't get a freaking notice in. <laughs> no, all that, needs to, all that needs to be done in court, and when you get to court, the notices that do go in are going to address these things. And, and you know, and, and the common law way to address these things is: I am a man, and I require the plaintiff to appear. Uh, you know, I, you don't have to address that they're a fiction, okay? The plaintiff must appear. I'm a man. I have a right to cross-examine the the uh, the plaintiff. Accuser. Yep. Exactly. Well, hey, there is no accuser in an administrative court. It's it's only the oh the, the plaintiff. plaintiff. Sorry. Yes. But you know, hey, I mean, as a, as a man, you have the right. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, but you know, it's got to be done administrative. I mean, it's got to be done uh, through notices, and you know they. What a man has a right to in common law applies at all times, 24/7. So just because you find yourself in an administrative court doesn't mean that you cannot require them to prove the contract. You have to prove the contract before you can hold me liable for anything within the contract. And if you know, one of the things is the party who's claiming to have a legitimate uh, complaint against a man is an entity that doesn't even exist. Okay? And they don't even exist on paper. They're nowhere to be found. So, you know, I have a right uh, to, to, you know, verify. I require the contract to be verified before we move forward, and the contract cannot possibly exist because the plaintiff doesn't exist. You know, there's no record of the plaintiff existing anywhere. So how can there be a contract? So these are the kinds of things that you can write up, but they have to be written up. It's certainly not something you want to put in there. In court, yes. I, I got my ass chewed out the first time and stupid enough didn't listen and went to a hearing and talked again and got chewed out again by another guy. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So uh, here's, here's something off the wall. Here's, here's something off the wall. Seeing how they won't let you put notices in, why not take an ad out in the Toronto Star and uh, put your notice in notice. The, the notice section? Yeah. Well, I, I, that. I, I did that because they wouldn't accept my notices I, outside the POA office and outside the courtroom where they heard the, the hearing. There's a bullet board that, you, that they post the notices. Hang on, I, this will be cheaper. This will I be cheaper. posted those notices on their bullet boards. Get the email addresses for all these people and just send them a notice by email. Notice. Oh, good send one. Them all a letter. Notice. I got nice. a notice the other day in my email from government. Notice. And that's what it came through. Notice. You're going to need to reestablish your paperwork with us if you want to do this next year. Notice. Okay. That's what the, the, the first thing it has said. You know, it said uh, the two forms said from, uh, you know, blah, blah, government agency. And CC and the, the Attorney General the email was notice. Time. And CC the Attorney General at the same time. There we go. Put them all there. in big CC. CC there you notice. go. You're going to take my notice whether you like it or not. Yeah. And, and, and the court clerk. And, yeah. And send it a couple of times just in case it gets lost in the spam filter. 
file on demand. All the notices you wanted to put into into that case, do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Because because notices can be public. Public notice, right? Notice. The whole thing is public. Or is it administrative or Uh, private? When a man gives notice, he gives notice to the world. To the public. If you give judicial notice, you give a notice only to the judge. But when you give notice, uh, when you give a simple notice, that's a notice that goes to the world, which includes the man who is acting as judge. Exactly. Yeah. So my notice is that some of my notices I pinned up on their bulletin boards. Now, Dave, Dave, I'm just wondering, uh, did you send a letter out? I don't recall. I know we talked about this a couple months ago, but was one of the letters that went out something that was talking about compensation for going to court, wasting your time? You mean a fair warning? Yeah, fair warning. Yes. Okay. And uh, what's the... Yeah, does it have to do with, uh, I don't recall what the compensation is for. What are you requiring for them to prove in court or to do in court? And if they don't do it, you're going to seek compensation. Uh, There was a, we had a a notice of a claim of baritry. Is that what you're referring to? Okay. Yeah, so what what does that say? Um, The other one was that they were administrating my property without right. All right, the, I, uh, there's, uh, there's, from what I can tell, there's only three things, uh, I mean, two things, uh, off of three. Uh, will, will anyone testify? There's uh, some background noise. I don't know who's around a racetrack, but it sounds like no, that's, somebody's... that's Mike on the bus. It's Mike on the bus? Yeah. Uh, tell him, get off the bus. Tell him, get off the bus. <laughs> Just, just mute his phone, that's all. Just mute it. No, no, he's all set. He can mute his own phone. He's good. He's all set. So, okay, uh, yeah, I require the plaintiff to appear in person under oath to verify all claims. Uh, and if the plaintiff uh, does not appear, and if, you know, if these claims are not verified, then I require compensation of, and put a number, and, you know, your fair warning should have been along those lines. And, uh, you know, the it, it might be a good idea to send uh, the, the fair warning for a barratry would have gone out to a law firm for uh, moving a claim, you know, on, on behalf of a fictitious plaintiff or something like that. Uh, you might want to follow that up with a letter that, uh, let them know that you're going to be seeking compensation if they do not, uh, if the plaintiff does not appear to verify the claims. Yeah, well, they gave no, they replied with to the claim of baritry that they intend to go ahead with the prosecution. Okay, well, you might want to follow up with a letter, you know, and you might want to send them a different letter. You know, just, uh, I'll be around tomorrow if you want to talk about that. Okay, sounds good. Hey, it's already 10 o'clock. I don't know if somebody else has got a different subject they want to get into before we... uh... Okay, before you go, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody for your tips and advice and kicks in the butt. and (laughs) I appreciate it all. Thank you. Thank you. Any aid and comfort I can extend to my fellow man makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. (laughs) It's greatly appreciated. (laughs) 
Well, you're very welcome. Um, Hi. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, yes, Rhonda. Hello? Hello? Hello, Rhonda. Hey, what's up? Hi. I just wanted to, uh, if it was okay, give out some information about uh, Carl's upcoming seminar. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we're going to be putting out a flyer. Carl's going to uh, help us write it. But in the meantime, if anybody's interested in coming, it's April 18th and 19th, Saturday and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, if we want to start getting a count on who's going to be coming, because we're going to try to get on a couple of radio shows around here and promote it. When's but, that going uh, to be? I mean, where where's it going to be? In oh, uh, in uh, St. Joseph, it's Missouri. Okay. At a place called uh, Uncle B's Bar and Grill. Or uh, you got a, you got contact information you can put out there. Uh, well, what I what I was going to give out, yes. Uh, if uh, anybody wants to is interested in coming, we, we, uh, they can email us, and I can give you the email address. Is the email address is kl for Carl Lentz, info i n f o four eighteen. That's for April the eighteenth, four eighteen, four one eight at gmail dot com. Can you repeat that? Yes. KL Info 418 at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to if you want to email the chat board for, I put it on the chat board for anybody who's uh, there you go, somebody yeah. else did it. You beat me to it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, if anybody's interested, go ahead and get a hold of us at that email address, and then we'll get you more information on uh, specifics, uh, hotels, and uh, all that. It's going to be two hundred for the weekend, at for both days, which I think is very reasonable for Carl. And uh, that's if you pay in, in advance. And uh, I think we're just going to go through Carl's PayPal. You can just Pay, you know, do his PayPal, and then and then we'll get the receipt or uh, email the receipt to that email address. But go ahead and email us if you're interested in coming, so we can start getting a count on heads. All right. Are you going to uh, Are you going to tape it? Are you going to video it? Well, I would like to. I haven't. Uh, uh, next time I talk to Carl, I want to get his permission, of course. To well, video so. tape it. Make sure the audio is really good. That's the most important part. Burn that sucker to a DVD because I'm sure some of us would be glad to pony up some coin for that. Right, right. And uh, even the people that attend a lot of times want a copy of the seminar. You know, because, I would because it's going to go in one hand and out the other. I mean, I'd be writing like crazy trying to get it all down, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, I got to – yeah, okay. That's, well, thank, that's good, thank Rhonda. You. That's, that's fine. Hey, uh, I want to be on Angela's tomorrow night, uh, 39904, I believe. Uh, actually, I should check that out before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Angela's call, anyway. Uh, somebody put that into the... Oh, I got to run here. Where's my talk to you, bud? 
Yeah, and Angela's call, Angela's call ID is 39904. All right, and... Uh, the floor is open, so if somebody else has got something you want to you want to bring up before we uh, we hang up, uh, go ahead. I've, I've got uh, to be at the airport in a, in about 40 minutes, so that, it's only a 20-minute drive, so I can I can stay on for another 20 minutes. Hey, uh, I, just going, to, I just want to tell you real quick: it's 200 if you pay in advance, 250 cash at the door. All right. Well, we'll uh, send you an email. That Mine's going to be Thanks, 500. <laughs> and there's, uh, there's some people who want me to go to Colorado and do a seminar out there. They they want me out there sometime in April. I'm not sure. Uh, I've got a lot going on, and I was going to go out there in October. I was going to drive out and enjoy the ride and possibly go to California and visit my daughter and then come home. But I'm at the point where I just got too much going on to, to go out there. So if you're one of those guys that's interested or one of those people that's interested in that. Uh, I'm not sure how much interest there is because I haven't really followed up with it, but that's with Terry Dodd, who does the uh, Walls in Our Mind broadcast with uh, Red Duckman, and I know there's some other people that are interested. Uh, I am looking into that. I just sent Terry uh, a note a little while ago on Skype. I haven't checked yet to see if he got back to me, but uh, I am looking into it. All right, like I said, floor's open. Anybody get something? Well, going back to Dave's situation, uh, I think two more things uh, to think about. Are there maybe a contract and the person may be bound, but there's still the man attached to that person? They still, no matter what, cannot cause harm to the man. And another point is... Uh, it appears he might have evidence that someone's tampered with the file, which is a huge uh, tool in his belt. Yeah, all all done in writing. Yeah, so regardless whether it's a person or a man, the tampering with the file is huge. Sounds like there should be some compensation right from that. All goes away, and we pay you to make good for being very mean to you. Sorry, please forgive us. No problem. I'll take the $500,000. <laughs> well, go to court with him. Maybe you can. Thanks for the big check. All is forgiven. Let's do this again next year. <laughs> That's Mike, right, who caught that? I'm sorry, is your name Mike, sir? Yes, that was Mike. Oh, okay. Great catch, Mike. Damn. Hey, Gus, I got a question for you. Go ahead. Joe here in Kentucky. I spoke to you last week. You told me about the Skype room. I, by the way, I got on and uh, the common law one and another one, so it, that's been fun figuring that out and watching the interaction up and learning stuff too. So I had one I had one question that uh I think I posted. I haven't checked the uh, Skype room yet. It's a few hours old. I don't think it was answered, but this is a just a it's a it's a real question and maybe there's a real simple answer. And I think Mike's on the call. He saw the question as well, I think. But um if it's hypothetically if if a man 
like you or I, hit, the example is is the cop car example, where you let's say you steal let's say you steal a cop's car. Now let's pretend that the cop's car is owned by the police department, and so uh, the police department own, owns it. I'm not sure if that's legally's word or not, but um, it seems like uh, based on the information that I'm learning, the knowledge I'm learning about common law, if there's no man that's going to come forth and claim the car, then couldn't you just use common law to avoid uh, returning the property? Because sure. no man's going to come Sure. Just just pray to God that the cop doesn't know anything about the common law because the cop may step from behind his badge, become the man, and say, this man took my squad car and interfered with my ability to do my job and got my and reduced my standing in the uh, police department. Yeah, you're getting into an area there that's... Uh, uh, it's, it's best to stick to our, a simpler uh, example. The... Uh, you, know, you are talking about a corporation, no different than Disney World, or yeah. uh, you know, it's a municipal corporation. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say they're no different. They are different. They're they're a different type of corporation. Just like a joint stock company is not a uh, an investment company. Yeah, you know, they're they're different companies. They're, there's hundreds and hundreds of different types of companies, and a municipal corporation has different functions. They've got different authorities. Some of them are chartered through the through the legislature, and actually, uh, you know, do have certain authorities. But the, the man acting as police officer is not going to step out of his uniform and claim ownership of the car, which does not belong to him; it belongs to the corporation. So that, there's there's a lot of stuff there, uh, but it's, it that sounds like a pretty complex uh, scenario. You know, not something I'd want to even entertain. Yeah, I mean, it just—it's also unethical. But I'm just saying, it, it occurred to me that an unethical person could use these principles. Well, I was thinking fun. about this very thing earlier today, listening to an earlier earlier recording. Carl was on. He was expressing concern that if people start to exercise their rights as men and women under the common law, that it's going to create chaos because they will be able to defend themselves uh, and take advantage of their status as a man. You know, not uh, against a jury, they won't. Exactly. To the detriment, though, of all these corporations, and that it will negatively affect commerce and blah, blah, blah. Except, um, that, except that once everyone catches on to this, if you were to abuse your common law rights as a man against a corporation to take advantage of them, then, then one of the shareholders of that corporation or executive of that corporation or the CEO of that corporation could then file a claim against that man for baratry. And then you've got a man against a man, and this is how you harm the corporation, which I am the CEO of, and makes that claim. Never, and who does the jury never, side for? Probably the CEO if the person is abusing their rights. We're, we're never going to get anywhere near that ever happening because, uh, for one thing, people are not learning this stuff at any kind oh, yeah. of pace where they're going to be willing to assert themselves because they're scared to death to go to court. So that's number one. Number two, should people get to that point, uh, the judge, the man acting in his capacity as a judge, has a duty to the community to protect it from morons who do this <laughs> shit. And, and he'll, just, he'll just overrule the jury and find you guilty, and he'll make you fight and fight and fight for 20 years. 
you're not going to win. And everybody in the community is going to support the guy who's doing that shit. He's going to support the judge, okay, the man out there. Because he's protecting the community from some asshole. So we don't have to worry about that. It ain't going to happen. I, I, I forgot to put the caveat in that this is not liable to happen in any of our lifetimes. But, you know, yeah. actually it would because that would be the common law remedy. You hurt my corporation. It affected my pay. It affected the dividends to pay out to the shareholders. You know, you, you wronged. I. Jury, yeah, why are you fined? That guy's a jerk. Fucking give money back. I think long before that happened, the people in town would run that guy out of town. Yeah, well, through that. On that note, then, Gus, couldn't you also then sue as a man, a a, yeah. a man in a like a company like Monsanto, who's you know behind the GMO and. And there's a you lot of show harm. You have to show harm, and that's going to be a yep. real problem. Because let's okay. say, like, the whole problem now is that the, the Roundup's got glyphosate, which is causing damage to people's intestines, to the microbiome in their intestines, right? It's screwing up their immune system and that sympathetic uh, uh, colony of bacteria in your intestines. It's causing all sorts of problems. It's causing IBS. It's causing, you know, a whole number of problems. But in order to show harm, you're going to have to prove that you were harmed by that. So you're going to have to bring in experts. You're going to have to bring in doctors. You're going to have to bring a lot of people who are going to swear that that was the case. And that's a real long road to hoe. Real long road to hoe. Much easier to just not eat frickin' factory food. Eat real food. Amen. Well, why don't you do you want to talk? And lastly, uh, last question. This is this is just gets to the very heart of common law. I've learned that you you have to have a victim where you have to have caused harm to somebody. And so that's why we say, uh, is there any man or woman here who can point to me and say that I've that I've done them harm? Right? Yeah, I've done them wrong. And then my, so my question is, I've been harmed, they have been harmed by me. That's what I thought. And I, and I, I asked the basic question, why? Why do you even need to have that uh, as a uh, requirement? And my answer uh, on the, uh, my answer, if I may answer it, was because only a man has rights. Would you, would you add to that, or is that correct? What's your thought? Sounds right to me. It does. I mean, only a man trying... has rights. Only a man has rights. Everything else under man is duties, obligations, and responsibilities. Okay. So that would include any corporation or government entity, anything like that. Corporation is a duty, not... obligation, and responsibility to its shareholders. I see. So that well, depends the on the corporation. Thing. You know, it depends on whether it's an S corp, a C corp, an LLC. I mean, there's a bazillion different types of corporations out there. Mm-hmm. And so otherwise, you're they're still subservient to the man, though, because they're a creation of man. Okay. They, are, they have been created to benefit man, just like government was created to benefit man. But government was not created to be of detriment or to harm man. And when, when government, or the agents of government are detriment, are detriment to man or harm man, then they need to be corrected, and they need to, make the, they need to right the wrong. They need to make the, undo the harm. They need to compensate for the wrong. Hey, I got uh, bounced off the cause. I didn't catch the last 20 or 30 seconds, but um, the when it, as far as harm to men, you know, uh, there is another element, which is contract. And when you're talking about the health board unit, 
or the driver's license. You know, these are all contract law, and there doesn't have to be a man harmed for there to be a breach of contract. If I have a contract with Frank to, to get something done, I mean, there's, you know, essentially everything comes down to some kind of a loss, uh, but not necessarily a harm or an injury. And in, in, in a contract situation, there's uh, performance requirements, and when somebody does not perform according to the contract, uh, that's it. You know, there, there's a penalty for that, and that's that's where the man, you know, that's where you're outside common law. You know, well, the well, law is common law harmless. because it's it's been around forever. You know, and the Constitution of the United States specifically. Uh, is prohibited from interfering. The government of the United States, which is created by the Constitution, is specifically prohibited at Section 1, uh, uh, Article 1, Section 10, from interfering with the obligations of contracts. So, you know, that's totally common law. That that remains in in the common law sphere of things. And where the contract cannot be proven, uh, or, or the contract is not, uh, yeah, I guess you could say not proven, then the court, if it has a residual kind of a uh, jurisdiction, may switch over to equity to wrap the case up. But, uh, you know, there doesn't necessarily need to be a man that's harmed. Hmm. That's interesting. Although you could argue, if any, if some performance was not rendered, there you, you could argue that was a harm, so to speak. A loss, not a, a harm, loss, but a loss. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That that, that way you're covering all your bases. Well, yeah. loss is just a more specific form of harm, though, isn't it? I mean, if you lose money, if some somebody gives somebody money to do something, they don't do it. You've lost the money, and you have been harmed because you have been denied the use of the money. Okay, but uh, according to the way Carl has described it, and, and what I've researched uh, you know, proves out this a lot. I, I, I still haven't really got it real, real, real clear, but it's getting clearer every day. Injury is um, my peace of mind, okay? If you disturb my peace, if you cause me stress, you, you are injuring the man because the man lives within the body, like a hand in a glove. You, when, the, when, the, when the man takes the glove off, the glove can be injured because that's the body, but, but the hand inside the glove is what animates it. And the man is within the body. The man is the animating factor, whereas the body is like the glove. So the body can be injured, but the man can be harmed. And the injury is a physical thing, whereas a loss is something outside the, the, the man and outside the man's body. All right, and then it becomes, okay, I see, contract, and then it becomes material. It's outside the band. Okay, that makes sense. Well, isn't isn't injury damage to property? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Injury is, well, property is, yeah. Because I, I think I've heard uh, Carl say that harm is, harm is like flesh and bone, actual physical damage to a man's body. Well, the pain resulting from the physical harm, from the physical injury, would cause harm to the man. That makes sense. 
It's it's deep shit. Yeah, to separate it, you got to read it over and over and over. You know, different scenarios, and uh, the more we do it, the clearer it gets. But it it it, it, it takes a lot of study, and a lot of reading. Simplify. Keep it simple. The simpler, the better. Hey, I got ten minutes left before I kill the recording. Anything? Uh, anybody want to get something on the record? Refrain from polysyllabic bibble babble at all times. <laughs> hey, did you hear about that? Oh, I don't know. Use short words. <laughs> Use short words. That's right. Do you hear about that? And it's good to know the difference between entities and a man or a woman. Don't call them a police officer. You sue the man who sometimes acts as a police officer. You don't, you, know, sue, you don't sue a man. You you, you seek compensation. Well, yeah, but uh, the man you seek compensation. You file a claim. File a claim against the man. And actually, you know what? I'm starting to realize that's why Carl says write everything down and write it all all by hand, because unless you've got really quick penmanship, it's going to force you to be terse. You will be pithy when you write by hand. You know, just the mechanics of it will shorten shorten up your tendency to. Because I know I like to blah blah blah. If I have to sit down and scratch out my chicken scratching, you know, I get much much more to the point. <laughs> there was a call on. There was a call on the chat. I think it's Corn Girl. She was asking, like, the police shot her dog, and she would like to know how to go after him. So, if you guys want to elaborate on that. File a claim. Shoot the dog. What can you file against a police officer who shoots the dog? Nothing. But you can file something against the man who killed your your dog. Right. Because the police officer, uh, it's not in his job description. So there's no such thing as, uh, you know, uh, police officers go around shooting dogs. That's not a a thing that is uh, approved uh, by the legislature, because see, a, a police officer has a very specific position to maintain, which is described by the legislature. And if he goes outside of that, then he's outside his immunity, outside his job description, and he is standing there naked as a man, no uniform whatsoever, no immunity. So there's no cloak. And uh, so when a, when a man does something that he shouldn't have done, he's now held liable as a man, like anything else, like any other man. You right. may have a shiny badge, but there's still a man behind it. Yeah, there's, an old max, there's an old maxim of law that says an outlaw, as it were, is put outside the protection of the law. So if you break the law, you can't expect the law to protect you. And by that man while acting as a police officer, he stepped outside of his jurisdiction. He did something he's not allowed to do. So he wasn't performing his job while he did that. He was acting as a man. And that's why the man would be held liable. Criminal. Right, and it's good to put his the, the, the chief of that man who sometimes act like the chief of the police department, put him on notice what his worker did, the man, to your dog. 
And so all the Amazon notice will happen, and you seek compensation. You put exhibit A and attach a picture to it, a picture of your dog, and say my property. Don't use the word dog. I'm just saying this because this is a fellow that I'm calling girl. She had wrote to me on the chat. So I yeah, she, you. She, she's posting on this con girl that's posting on the chat. Con girl, yeah, you're going to need to listen up on call, and you're going to need to file a claim. And you can take your time with it because there's no statute of limits in a common law court. So just make sure you do it right, enter the claim. And, you know, I mean, if your family was harmed by this, by the trauma of watching their, you know, family member get, you know, executed in front of them, and you caught it on video, which is great, uh, I think you have a very, very, very strong claim, and I think you will be able to hold this man to account. And I really hope you do because that is wrong. Yeah. Long, long, wrong. He needs correction. Yep, and you can look at on YouTube is call 136 by Craig Lynch. He posts that on YouTube. It's about claims and, you know, complaints. So you might want to look at that. That is really good. I was listening to it today, for a matter of fact. So I hope that helped you, corn girl. Well, what did the dog do? See, we don't know all the details. She just said that in the chat. So maybe he'll say the dog was attacking him. I don't know. Well, according to the video, very graphic, dog was not even threatening. So, I mean, we have the uh, independent, objective, firsthand witness. We have the videotape. Oh, now she put on the chat. It happened to a guy friend of hers. So, look, I don't know all the details, you know, what was happening. We don't. So, but, I mean, if it was known, you know, the man you saying that had this problem, I'm not sure what he did or what the police did. Without all the facts, we can't give you good answers. But that's the answer if, you know, you feel that they done you wrong. She's not happy, Dave. Why? Okay. You don't like her job. Any more questions, anybody? Um. Yeah, is there a way to get in touch with you, Gus? Yeah, you're talking to me right now. I don't know. Cool. I mean, <laughs> just did. Oh, no, I, I'm on Skype. I, I don't do email. I can't stand email. Everything can be done on Skype. It's much faster. There's a history left behind. So you can Skype me at gus.breton, G-U-S dot B-R-E-T-O-N. My Skype information is on my website, which is uh, redressfordummies.org. And uh, if you click on the Talks You tab, where it says Talks You and Archives at the top, you'll get my Skype information, Mike's Skype information, and the Talks You information. He told me at 10 o'clock, it was over. Somebody needs to mute out. Not sure who's uh, talking there. Did you have something you wanted to talk about now? Um, I just know that uh, Carl's going through a, a little bit of rough times, and he needs some help building a storage unit. And uh, I was just going to offer, you know, my services to help him uh, get it done what he needed done. I'm gonna send him an email at uh, Court of Record Three. Court of at Record G- Three. Yeah, at, yeah, the number three at uh, Gmail dot com. Cool. And tell him Gus sent you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> that might help. 
right. I'm going to wrap up in four minutes. Is there uh, anything else? Any questions? No questions. Well, yeah, I guess um, I got another question. Um, <clears throat> when uh, when you ask for a valid claim, you know, to be brought forth for the for the court to be able to move, and he acts like the complaint against you is a valid claim, and he moves the court anyway, does that give you um, grounds to file a claim against who the judge? State that again. What? What did the judge do? Well, I've been asking for a valid claim to be brought forth for the court to move. And, um, of course, he knows as well as I know there's no valid claim, but he's been acting like the complaint is a valid claim. He said, well, this is valid, you know. Um, have you read the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's uh, he's just continued to, you know, move the case forward, and he actually set a trial jury date. So if the other team, if a member from the other team breaks the rules, are you going to throw the referee in the penalty box? Or are you going to throw the member of the other team that actually made committed the wrong? So you're, trying to throw the, you're trying to throw the referee in the penalty box. No, I was asking because I'm not sure. So it's the ADA? Yes, as far as I can tell, it would be the prosecutor's office to make sure that it's a, a solid case. And if the evidence doesn't sh clearly show that a wrong has been done, it's their duty and obligation to dismiss or discharge. You can put conditions on that. You know, you can send a letter out and then a follow-up letter and then, you know, a, a fair warning letter, you know, letting them know, hey, you know, I don't believe anyone will testify that I was operating under a license. I don't believe the plaintiff will appear to verify uh, his claim in open court under oath or affirmation. And to be denied uh, this is going to be a waste of my time. You know, I'm willing to go to court to... to uh, answer for myself. However, if the claim be not verified and and no uh, no you know no no witness uh, be on you know at hand to verify that I was operating under any kind of a license, then uh, why am I going to court when you can't prove your case? If you're going to drag me into case into the court uh, to, and, and waste my time, that I require compensation. You know you, you wouldn't expect Elton John to perform for free you know, to go to Las Vegas and perform. So why why would you expect me to go to your court and perform? There you go. All right, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna kill the recording in a minute and you guys are more than welcome to hang out. Keep talking. You probably got another two hours easy of uh of talk time. You know what? Just uh, and, uh, you guys can hang out. I'm going to be uh, on Angela's call tomorrow night, uh, 39904. Right? Yep. 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 That's it. 39904. What and time? 9.30, right? That's at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh, 9. Okay. 
6 p.m. Uh, Pacific, I believe. Who's the guest? Who's the guest? Yeah. I'm guest the guest. Speaker. No, guest speaker. Me? Oh, okay. <laughs> somebody, somebody told me to be careful because this guy, Carl, Carl goes on there and bashes people. <laughs> well, they shouldn't get on the call talking junk. There you go. They get what they deserve. I don't have no pity for them. They took a lot of my money in the past. But I blame myself because I should have known. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm heading to the All airport. Right, well, uh, just remind me to look at that those documents tomorrow. I'm gonna. I've been telling everybody to get in touch with me on on Thursday because that was the first time I was gonna be able to take a break. So. Uh, All right, I, I'll probably get in touch with you Friday just to give you a break because a lot of people are trying to get. You, awesome. so. but, you know, just a reminder: if you guys send me some stuff either on Skype or on email, whatever it is, and, and like I said, I really, really prefer Skype. Make sure if I tell you that I'm gonna look into it. Uh, just send me a text message every couple of days until I finally get to it. You know, when I get a break, you know, I'll just pick something and I'll just look into it and, and get back to you guys. And you know, I try to keep up, uh, but you know, I, there's just too much going on. So All you right. guys have a good night, and and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, thanks guys. This this is Mike in Colorado. Uh, yeah. uh, very good show tonight. Appreciate it. Sorry I couldn't get on the call here until the end. Uh, but I will uh, get in touch with you. Yeah, you're going to call me tomorrow? Yes. Awesome. All right. The show must so, go on. So <laughs> who's got... Anybody want to keep talking? Who's got an issue? I'm feeling warmed up. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.